also babble a little bit and say hello. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, let me give it to you here in a second as the progress bar moves along. There we go. You take it away, buddy. Tell people who can and cannot be. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this show is for educational and entertainment purposes only. You have to be 21 and over to be here. If not, you have to leave. Yeah, so get out if you're under 21. That's the way. Uh, what is it? The, like the Mandalorian? This is the way. Okay, for some reason, I cannot pop out my chat. All right, I'm having a little bit of a problem with my YouTube here, but hopefully that will go away. Nice, uh, D. Uh, here we go. Perhaps it'll work now. Cheers, Cranmore Grows. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, welcome, everyone. As you can see, we have a wonderful guest this evening, ladies and gentlemen. I think we're going to have a fantastic conversation. Uh, before we get into the whole meat of the show and the introductions, and I have to do a whole disclaimer and everything else, uh, welcome, Fang. What's going on? Cheers. What's up, guys? It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Cheers, man. Welcome. Uh, like I said, honestly, you know what? Now that I think about it, it might be more advantageous for us all to just say hello, and then I'll go through that whole, like, literally 10 minutes of freaking disclaimers that we have to do because of the trolls. Uh, D, what's going on, my friend? Welcome. What's going on, everybody? I hope everybody had a great weekend so far. It's Tuesday. Um, I'm smoking on a prolific of different strains tonight. Um so yeah, and I got some hash too. Uh, let's get down to the show. Cheers! Be- oh, you can find me on Instagram at the underscore the underscore zombie underscore. Cheers! What's going on, Smash? Cheers, buddy. I don't know what's going on. Oh, Zoom keeps freezing every time I go into the settings. Do I sound okay? You sound okay now. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll be back in a second. What's every time place? I. Uh, kept, it kept fucking up on me and I was like dude it kept freezing uh, my zoom maybe it's a bad update or something because my zoom was goofed up I'm actually right now on like Firefox or whatever because I had to do whatever it was like freezing up on Safari and wouldn't let me go live last couple shows or something yeah there's something up with the latest uh, zoom update but anyway welcome back to the uh, show Flora I think he's uh, can you hear us or cheers buddy yeah yeah I can hear you works much better now right on welcome for me Cheers, bud. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, I guess uh, Fang is probably used to some of the trolling and stuff. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we have some issues on the show where we have people reporting the show. So just basically to uh, forestall that and avoid it, uh, uh, folks, don't assume that I'm crazy for reading all these things. But please just sort of bear bear with us, ladies and gentlemen, as I uh, talk through this stuff. Please keep in mind, by the way, that this is not a cannabis show anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Once upon a time, we talked about cannabis. Now we exclusively talk about the legal versions of cannabis and also, of course, fake cannabis. So if you ever think that we're actually smoking real cannabis, we're actually not uh, even though ironically it's legal where fang is it's in, you know in michigan uh, where d is it's federally legal you couldn't touch that at all uh where Flora and i both uh, actually on the west coast it's completely legal to smoke talk about uh give to your friends uh share with your friends buy at the store on and on and on you can literally i literally went to a store today and bought legal weed for money gave them money uh they gave me a receipt and everything ladies and gentlemen it's completely and perfectly legal if you are reviewing this if someone reported this channel for any of a number of different things they report us for please Remember that where we are, this is completely and totally legal. This is not like it might seem to you illegal. It is actually completely and totally legal what we are doing. 
Once again, though, also uh, in terms of dangerous content policies, because this seems to be the thing that we're reported for the most often, uh, just in case anyone is curious, we are uh, completely devoid of extremely dangerous challenges on this show. Challenges that pose an imminent risk of physical injury are not shown in the show. Dangerous or threatening pranks are not shown in the show. Pranks that lead victims to fear imminent serious physical danger or that create serious emotional distress in minors are not shown in the show. Instructions to kill or harm will never be shown on the show. Showing viewers how to perform activities meant to kill or maim others will not be described described or displayed. For example, giving instructions to build a bomb meant to kill or injure others. Never under any circumstances on this show. Hard drug use or its creation will not be depicted. Content that depicts abuse of or giving instructions on how to create hard drugs such as cocaine or opioids will not be shown. Hard drugs are defined as drugs that can mostly lead to physical addiction. In some certain circumstances, you might hear some people on the show talk about uh, uh, stories from their past where they might describe some uh, uh, stories that involve cocaine or other opioids or something else. Ladies and gentlemen, first of all, you should consider those stories fictionalized accounts, but also they are historical accounts, even if they are true and they are under no circumstances. Positive accounts, we are under all circumstances uh, discouraging discouraging you from ever engaging in those kinds of drugs. Eating disorders will never be discussed. Content that praises, glorifies, or encourages viewers to imitate anorexia or other eating disorders will never be discussed in the show. Eating disorders are characterized by abnormal or disturbed eating habits which negatively affect a person's health, including eating non-food items, never on the show. Instructional theft or cheating will not be shown. Showing viewers how to steal tangible goods or promoting dishonest behavior will never be seen on the show. And hacking, demonstrating how to use computers or information technology with the intent to steal credentials, compromise personal data, or cause serious harm to others, such as but not limited to hacking into social media accounts, will never be shown on this uh, program. Bypassing payments for digital content or services will never be shown. Showing viewers how to use apps, websites, or other information technology to gain unauthorized access to audio content, audiovisual content, full video games, software, or streaming services that normally require payment will never under any circumstances be shown on this show. Once again, uh, this show uh, is basically above board. We follow our local rules. You should follow your local rules as well. Like D said, if you are uh, 21 and over, you're welcome to walk the, watch the show. If your rules are somewhat a little bit different where you live, please abide by them like we are abiding by our local rules. So once again, there is actually nothing to report this show for. We are doing nothing whatsoever illegal, and everything we are doing here is completely and totally proper. Thank you very much. Uh, let me th think here. Oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, so I did, since I didn't tell you that, I guess uh, it's been like... 10 minutes of this stuff, so I guess I'll wait. Ladies and gentlemen, go to Fumidoro.com. If you are not aware, there's an entire new seed line over there. There's a whole new seed drop, frankly. Uh, basically, the new mail is a coot special mail. It's uh, as we, as far as we can tell now, because of course there's been a little bit of miscommunication with the, the old seeds and stuff, looks to be a Highland Thai Kerala. I can promise you, ladies and gentlemen, that it's fantastic, even if it's a Sri Lanka, even if it's a little bit of a different Thai. But in the meantime, it is definitely Highland Thai, at least on one side, but it looks and feels like Highland Thai. So so uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, go check some of the crosses out. Oblivion is one I think you guys should take a special look at. That's that Memory Loss by the Coot Special. Let's see here. The Pacifica Days, the Oaxacan Thunderfuck by the Coot Special. Not to mention my beloved Black Prince Ruby uh, to the Coot Special. That's the official version, so to speak, of that Tis But a Scratch that I sent out. That's the None Shall Pass. Go take a look, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, don't be scared. Uh, my earlier crosses were a lot shorter finishing than those. My earlier crosses, some of them finished in less than 60 days. The Morgana had that sweet uh, a chair. Uh, prototype or the sweet cherry phenotype there was a couple black prince rubies that finished in like 50 something days on and on and on those are definitely a lot shorter you know you should expect more like 60 days something like that for from Morgana but uh, how do I say it don't get scared ladies and gentlemen from uh, like I say memory loss 
uh, Oblivion, uh, the Figment, what else? The Nun Shall Pass. All of those guys are going to be 70-day crosses-ish. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't be freaked out that it's going to be 95 days or 128 days wow. or whatever. Isn't that a movie, 128 days or something? No, 28 days later, that's what it was. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it's not going to be 28 days, but it's not going to be 128 days either. Uh, don't don't fret, ladies and gentlemen. If you want some real racy weed, take a look at Fumidoro.com and uh, take a look, my friends. Uh, Neurosis said, I heard, don't be scared. I'm scared. Reverse psychology. All right, be scared. Uh, buy a three-pack and be super scared. By the way, before we get into the meat of it, I went to the dispensary again because I was like, uh, all my weed is seated right now and it just takes too much like attention to actually like de-seat it, you know what I mean? So I was like, fuck, I can't like smoke fake weed, obviously pseudo-weed uh, during the show while I'm like de-seating. So I'm like, I'm just going to the dispensary. And also conveniently got tacos. Uh, another two-cent joint, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see how this two... Fang, this is a two-cent joint. It's a two-cent Tuesday joint, apparently. Normally they're shockingly expensive. Do you ever go to a dispensary? I rarely go to a dispensary and so I'm always surprised by how much stuff costs and like the joints are 20 bucks. And I'm just like, every time I roll up a joint, I'm like, really? That thing costs 20 bucks? Anyway, for Tuesday, apparently it's two cents. We'll see how good it is. Fang, welcome to the show. Have you ever bought yourself a two cent joint? It doesn't smell very good, actually. Last week smelled good. This one does not smell very good. Just right off the bat. I mean, I'm not going to act like I've never purchased from a dispensary, but rarely do I go except just to see what's going on and to kind of like QC the dispensary world. And I'm usually pretty disappointed. I am usually pretty disappointed, too. I have to be frank. It's kind of sad, but it is what it is. I'm not looking forward to the highest quality on this one. This is horchata, so it is a little bit different aroma. But this is just a little bit hayish. This is a little bit, it's got a little bit of that, maybe that cinnamon yogurt. We'll see as I light this up. But I think this is just basically kind of hay. Oh, it even feels super loose. Actually, it feels super loose. So this is probably going to be dog shit. Uh, the one that I had last week, I want to say, oh, I even have the thing. It was um, Sherbado. And it smelled great, but didn't really get me high. So it's two cents, but it really is just two cents. Anyway. Like you say, just kind of quality control. Anyway, welcome, Fang. What's uh, Speaking of never going to dispensaries, a lot of us basically grow weed so that we don't have to go to the dispensary. What did you get? How did you get started in weed? Um, how did I get started in weed? Was definitely not in the dispensaries. Like, to be honest, when I started in weed, I didn't even know dispensaries existed, hmm. even though they did um, in California at the time. Um it was like in the early 2000s. I was uh, 15 when I started smoking. Mm. And um, I, well, it was 2005 when I started smoking weed. And that's like way late really in the, in the history of cannabis and medical in California. But, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm younger and um, I was in high school, obviously, and um, as soon as I kind of started smoking weed, I I just became involved in it, like in the business side of it. I started selling weed to my friends, and it just never it never slowed down from there. I guess, like I basically from that point forward, cannabis paid my bills, so it was pretty cool um, to kind of. Yeah, I started just I started selling weed when I was 15. And of course, um, disclaimer, like 
totally not condoning anything like underage illegal stuff but um that's just the that's world a, I that's about. a good point actually like a lot of people they'll say oh you know i got started when i was you know 13 or 14 or something and that's kind of a tacit approval you're, you're totally right yeah, yeah i dig it yeah i mean someone was selling to someone over 18 or whatever was selling right. to someone under 18 and which that's is like in one itself of the kind of uncool them. yeah it's, it's you know when, and, and as you get older you're like I don't know, as I get older, like weed for me is, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it's not necessarily this countercultural thing, right? It's like this is thing that makes your life better and doesn't kind of mess you up. And so the idea of someone like selling to kids, it kind of uh, it kind of grosses you out, you know what I mean? But when you were a kid, you didn't think of that that way. Sorry to interrupt, but it's just well, an uh, interesting thought. No, not at all. There's also this thing where they say it's one of the um, only ways you can really be denied a license here in Michigan huh. is that if you have on your record that you've ever sold to a minor no and it doesn't seem like the worst crime out there, but you know, it's one of those things that you probably just don't want to be caught doing. And huh. the, I, I feel like, and I, and obviously we see changes that are, that's happening where children who need cannabis medically have been able to access it even in schools and that's a really a beautiful thing and but you know who, who's to say like not more children like maybe i was one of those kids that potentially could have benefited from cannabis when i was growing up i mean obviously i mean it's pretty obvious that i i did benefit from cannabis so what's that smash I said, when did making seeds come into play? Uh, when did making seeds, seeds basically came into play when we started Gage Green Group. So I partnered with Key Play to create Gage Green Group. And he had basically, seeds was kind of like something that he had already started. And um, when we partnered up, I took it, you know, and started working like dove headfirst into it you know and that's really where it started so probably around like 2009 what do you call yourself or when you introduce yourself to friends at a party or you know, obviously you introduce yourself to new people at a party i guess not necessarily your friends uh but when you introduce yourself let's say at a party or i don't know if, you, if, you, if you're meeting a, a, a date or whoever uh somebody on the street do you say you're a seed breeder or a seed maker or what do you say to people <clears throat> i i realize it's an awkward question but i've had this kind of uh, question with people that i meet and people that are in weed they kind of understand oh seed breeder or whatever that's yeah sure okay but when you talk to other people, they're like, what are you What are you talking about? Like, Because they don't really know what you know, male and female cannabis plants are. And they're like, in their mind, I've literally had people burst out laughing. And they told me like, oh, it, like I thought maybe you were like actually like you physically like you mate with the seeds or something. <laughs> like that was the first thought that they had. I was like, no, definitely not that. So I've started to call myself like a seed maker and stuff when, I, when that comes up. Do you have that? I don't know. Does it come up? Like, do you uh, talk to people about that kind of thing? I guess like I usually I might say like I'm a breeder in the cannabis world or something, but normally like I, I still try not to tell people what I do when I like see people, you know, I, I'm, I, um, I don't know. That just might be this weird thing that like I just don't want everyone to know my own business and shit. But, 
like when I'm, you know, at a cannabis event, like if someone doesn't say already know me or, or I'm talking to a complete stranger and I'm introducing myself, I usually just say like, you know, I, I create cannabis seeds and um, I make new strains and that usually, that usually like, you know, people usually understand what that means. And um, these days, like, that's not the only thing I do. So I, I really talk about like the organic side of things and how we create medicine that's, you know, um, free of chemicals and it's like super beneficial for you if you consume it correctly and with the right intention. And so like, I'm usually trying to add m more to what I do than just like, oh, I'm, a, I'm more than just a breeder, I guess. So is that actually part of the, uh, I guess that's a, a good an entree to maybe why you guys call yourselves uh, a Gage Green group. Like you are a little bit more of a sort of a holistic program than just a seed group, right? It's more of a, or how do I say this? Uh, tell us more about how you see your place, I guess, in cannabis. I don't know. What am I trying to say? Because I don't know exactly. Are you guys more of a collective kind of like them? You know, they, they breed cannabis, they grow cannabis, they do all kinds and you're friends with them, obviously. So maybe that, that rubbed off. Like they are kind of like a collective almost more than anything else. Or what is Gage Green Group? So Gage Green Group, like it's, it's always been a collaboration of like of multiple growers um since you know we we began we've kind of like we've had a lot of testers in our group kind of working together to cultivate the finest medicine and ultimately the goal is like full dedication to our craft and creating our utmost within the art that cannabis like the that cannabis offers i guess you could say or the um media that cannabis provides um a lot of the people that we started um that were part of our group in the early days when we had the ggg forums this was like 2010 to like 2012 maybe 2013 era we um a lot of those founding members are now breeders mm. and some of the lead top breeders in the industry. Um, just name, just to name a few, like, I guess, like belief, um, uh, sunken treasure seeds. Um, like, you know, that's a, that's a very good entree. Well, we can talk about it later, but uh, I forgot about how some of those folks actually are related to you. One question that I oftentimes, I'm trying to ask a lot of the same questions. Every time breeders come up, I'm trying to ask many of the same questions, them. maybe not all of the same questions, because it's fun to get the same, you know, a different answer basically to the same question every time. And almost every single show that we've had with Romulan and Mr. Toad and so we talk for hours and then I forget to ask this question, but I have this question on there about the $10,000 cut. The famous uh, belief was charging, I think still is to this day, charging uh, 10 or maybe even more for some uh, uh, cuts basically. I can't remember if it's on his website or somewhere else. And so we've kind of talked about it on the website. Is, is that is that worth it anymore? Is that not worth it anymore? You know, we don't have to talk about it right now, but it's just an interesting thought. Like, actually, we could talk talk about it right now if you want to. Uh, I say uh, strike while the iron's hot, right, is the expression. What do you think of, it's kind of not maybe in the right time of the discussion, but how do I say it? What do you think of those really expensive cuts? It doesn't have to be from your friend. We're not necessarily insulting your friend or anything like that. But do you think that cuts like that with those expensive prices anymore, are those justified in the market? Can people 
can people themselves justify it? Because we've had a few a few viewers who I know have bought expensive cuts. Can those people justify a ten thousand dollar cut? Like, what's your thought? Um, I would say you can definitely capitalize on a ten thousand dollar cut. Um, if it comes, if somebody's putting their entire reputation behind something and and they're saying like it's the best cut that they have there's probably validity to it and um there's pro it's probably pretty goddamn good hmm. um is is it possible to get a cut out of a ten dollar pack of seeds that's that's even better yeah um but there's but that but the possibilities of that are are a lot less than getting a cut from a reputable breeder and and giving you know paying for what it the breeder believes it's worth or what the breeder and the buyer determine it's worth and i i personally am not opposed to um i guess almost like a luxury perspective in cannabis uh i think a lot of people like they they treat cannabis like it's a commodity and they price it like such where as like I don't know, I've been in this industry for so long and sacrificed so much that I feel like and this this um could just be my perspective, but that the art the art can essentially um I don't know how to say it like to, to me it is an art form and if somebody is willing to pay a high price for it then the the i think the breeder deserves it um i think a lot of people kind of undervalue the time it takes and some people will say like look you can make you know ten thousand seeds off a plant like why are they charging so much for a pack or or um, you can buy a clone for $10. Why would I pay $10,000? And the fact is like, you can pay $10 for a clone, but you're not gonna get the belief clone, you know? And like, to me, it's like- Not you, to mention people, like I should interject one thing that I think about all the time. People I think oftentimes forget this because in the open world where they're not really paying attention, money sort of has no value and they just assume that it maybe falls, falls from the sky. Sometimes I wonder. Uh, for example, with seeds, every time a breeder wants to make a four by four of seeds or something, they had to veg those plants out. They had to acquire the clones one way or the other. If they've been carrying that library for many years, then that's a lot of electricity and, and you know, not in my case, uh, soil basically is reused. But, you know, if it's clones, how do I say it? Uh, 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 what am I looking for? A coca choir, rock wool, whatever. That's a lot of expense to keep those clones over time. And then finally to actually just flower it costs you four or five hundred dollars right between the light and everything else not to mention the space and the time and everything else so you're looking at honestly a few thousand dollar investment for every single time that a breeder does any kind of clone run or seed run or anything else you know what i mean so how do i say it even tester seeds or anything else like testers we, we talk about this all the time testers oftentimes kind of undervalue the breeder's work and they just basically kind of acquire the seeds and they forget shit that costs the breeder money Anyway, I'll go back to you, but like it, all of that stuff adds up. You know what I mean? Every single seed run costs a bunch of money. Go ahead. 
sure yeah i and then like it's it's a matter of like do you want to sell a hundred packs at ten dollars or do you want to sell one pack at a thousand dollars or whatever like i mean that's in, in terms of seeds i know we were talking about beliefs like ten thousand dollar clones which i'm actually uh which we carry on legit genetics mm. and so belief is one of the breeders that is represented on our nursery and his ten thousand dollar clones are there um i mean it was an interesting uh, thought that you had I, I guess it's still it's still so early with cannabis that this is kind of a strange thing to think about but as you were talking about it i was like i, I kind of consider myself an artist basically the way i approach this uh, uh and you know i'm not the only person i know there's a few there's a, 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 a what's his freaking name BioVortex and a few other people anyway how do i say this uh wineries in many cases, yeah, there's bargain basement wine, there's the, the sort of table wine and everything else, but there's also really, really good wine that people really seek out. They apparently are made by celebrity vintners, I've heard, you know, because I live sort of in wine country, so I've heard some of these from, from people, like uh, uh, friends of mine work for these celebrity vintners and whatever, and people literally will buy any uh, bottle of wine that these people produce like it's a bottle of art. And so I started to think to myself while you were talking about that, like, yeah, why couldn't you think of whatever sour diesel or mendo breath or whatever else some specific a specific cut of it for example or even a strain as a work of art basically and how do i say it when you think of it that way i mean art famously it's it's worth what the person will pay for it right it's it's uh, what's the expression the values in the eye of the beholder and art you know van gogh never never sold a painting in his life but now if any one of his paintings goes on you know on auction it's 150 200 million dollars easily uh what's to say that a clone couldn't be worth that in the future as the market matures you know let's say for example one of our mature canisseurs uh, or, or, or i don't know what's a good word, uh, word for it cannabis connoisseur uh, we'll just fucking go with that cannabis connoisseur who's a grower maybe that person he or she wants just the best freaking clone they can possibly get and what better way to do it than to get from i'm just kind of thinking hypothetically right uh perhaps bee leaf's clone is so richly layered with aromas and flavors perhaps it grows so well and clones so well and so on that that literally is like 20 years worth of work i've been on some level when you have i don't know how long i believe has been doing it but you said like basically since 2009 or something so he's been doing it for you know 12 or 13 years so that's a lot of work already by itself what if he's been working and i'm just speaking hypothetically what if he's been working on that entire line for 12 or 13 years maybe even before that and carrying the clones and learning and basically combining all these things and having dead ends that didn't work out and so on and finally now after like 15 years you look at it yeah it's a clone but it's also the summation of like 15 or more years of work. It's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of it that way. There's there's um, severe crabs in a barrel mentality in this industry. Oh, yeah. And like, there's like crazy price aversion. And then of course, um, especially with oversaturation, you're basically having people treat cannabis like it's, it's a, it's, it's worthless when in fact the whole point is to differentiate yourself mm. as an artist would um so that you're not competing for like a like a discount rack um in my opinion there's also like extreme entitlement in the industry so people just simply believe like they deserve access to everything that's out there when if you are an artist and you do create one of a kind work um, it should be exclusive and it shouldn't be accessible to everyone. I mean, like not every project needs, needs to be, 
and it should be priced accordingly. Um, uh, an adjacent industry to ours that I've loved and adored since I got into cannabis is glass. And if you study the glass industry, you can go to your local head shop and get import glass or bottom dollar glass for like $5 a pipe, or you can pay 10K for the same thing. And I and I work at an art gallery on the side, like with heady glass, dude. We actually just had a bunch of ten thousand dollar pieces come in. And that's not even uh, how do I say it? That ain't nothing, right? Smash. Like how do I say it? It's not like it ain't nothing, but there are way more expensive pieces of glass than that. We've talked about this before, you know. Uh, banjo, you have banjo anyone who follows, yeah. But I mean, these days there's any number of people, right? But you can go on if anybody follows Bubble Man, uh, Bubble Man's world. He used to have videos where he used to talk about you know going to the glass shops in Vancouver, and they regularly had these hundred and twenty thousand dollar pieces, right? And I think one of his hash videos where he was making hash, he was talking about how they like one of the guys broke this hundred and twenty thousand dollar piece can you imagine that but i thought to myself like oh it's an interesting comparison a really good comparison i would not own a, a, a not like how do i say this it's not like i'm against china or something but i would not own a chinese rig because in my opinion it's just made by a, a how do i say it uh a factory process, you know, it's probably not even borosilicate, blah, 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 blah. So I like American made glass, but I also don't necessarily want to buy super heady glass. So for example, this piece for some people is way expensive. I think, well, I actually traded for it, but basically it was in the neighborhood of $300 and the bangers also, I think maybe 50 bucks and the, the, whatever the fuck this is called, the carb cap is again, maybe in the neighborhood of 50 bucks. So we'll call it maybe $400. Some people would say that's fucking ludicrous for a rig. And honestly, they're not wrong because, for example, you could get, you know, me being a weirdo, you could get a Chinese rig that is exactly like this, exactly, precisely like this, that probably has the same action for 25 bucks. I have a friend up in Vancouver that he regularly buys stuff on like Alibaba and stuff, just constantly buys rigs for 25, 30 bucks. And so for him, a $400 rig is ridiculous. But then also for some people, a $4,000 rig is what they're really into, or a $40,000 rig, or whatever, one of the, the SD Rhino, oh, the, the guy from South Carolina, uh, San Diego. I, Go ahead, Flora. I have yet to see, like, I bought, I buy, I've bought a lot of cheap glass over the years, but I have yet to find, it, they, the airflow, it doesn't hit the same. Like, that, that, that handmade piece, the airflow, the way, it, like... Well, there's also a special... Like there's also artists do special actions and stuff that they're the only ones that really do like that shit gets really deep. Yeah. Yeah. The difference between like a, a $10 to a hundred to a thousand to 10 K like is noticeable at every point. Like, these these guys aren't really aren't just artists, but they're like they mastered the you know the, the whole like all the intricate parts of it, yeah. I and mean, like just yeah, micro stuff. There's all kinds of different techniques and but it is yeah, also you have matter. to say on some level, just kind of like art or anything else, it becomes basically oh, subjective. And the the how do I say this? Two things happen: you get diminishing returns for the actual specific improvements, and then basically any improvements oftentimes are kind of subjective. So how do I say it? Like a hundred thousand dollar bong is not better really than a ten thousand dollar bong. I think you couldn't argue that. But it'll come from a much more famous artist. It'll have probably a lot. Maybe it'll be a collab and everything else. Have a lot more work into yeah. it basically. So that 
justifies the price in many cases, or some people are just willing to pay more money for it for some reason. But how do I say it? Even that $4,000 rig, that might not be as good in some cases as, let's say, for example, I don't know, Leisure Glass, or what is this? I don't remember what company this is. Yeah, Leisure or whatever. Those companies are kind of famous for their action, right? So it doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm not making a super specific argument. But how do I say this? I've met people who had the super fancy $4,000, $5,000 rigs that didn't hit really super well, but they looked super nice, right? So maybe the people yeah. bought it basically because it was a super killer design. It was Bart Simpson and whatever the shit. And I don't even know, right? I don't know. I guess sure, it becomes subjective, right? Yeah, there's a difference in like uh, the scientific glass world and then like kind of the heady art world. Usually the the guys who make the heady art have kind of like perfected their um, their style to where it usually hits well, but that's mm. not always the case. And you're right. Like sometimes it's just about the art. Mm. But then if you think about it, when you buy a $30 rig or whatever, or even a $100 rig out of the store, it's automatically like, I mean, it's never going to go up in value. Mm. But with collector art, there's likelihood of it not only like at, at the very least retaining its value, but it going up in value if you collect it the right art. Will and clones I, go up in value then? I mean, we're, we're speaking early maybe for the market, but in the future, if we're just kind of thinking about it, will so clones it like would, that go up in value? I think like one of the only ways that a clone could potentially go down in value is if it gets oversaturated and that's like, or essentially someone like cuts the clone and, and starts selling it to the market. But if you were to sell a one of one clone that came with certain um, obligations or contracts that required the person to like kind of be the sole producer perhaps, and you have a one of one variety that only one producer essentially can have at a time, um, could that varietal go up potentially if it sells well, you know, or there's demand or Which whatever. seems ludicrous when, when some of the people probably listening think about this, but maybe it's not in my freaking income bracket. I have to be perfectly frank, but I know that people that buy Ferraris have to actually get on a list. First of all, they have to start with used Ferraris. They won't let you buy a new one. Even, even if you're a basketball star, they won't let you buy a new one first. You have to buy a used one and then basically prove that you're a good Ferrari owner. And then they'll let you buy a Ferrari. Can you imagine that shit? They'll let you buy a Ferrari. And there are apparently a couple other car companies like that. Uh, evidently that's one of the reasons why people buy Lamborghinis because they basically let people buy if you have cash they let you buy it but how do i say it like it's it's weird when you get into that really luxury world you have a sort of different set of circumstances or a different set of rules and stuff and it's not hard to imagine like there are luxury we've talked about this before a couple people that come on the show from time to time sort of have hinted that they uh, deal with the luxury markets in some places uh movie stars actors on and on now that new york is legal i mean there are people that own 140 million dollar penthouses those people are going to smoke weed and those people are going to smoke the fucking fanciest weed in all of New York, right? Like, it might not even be better necessarily, but it'll be grown in this, whatever the fuck, I don't know, I'm, I'm hypothesizing, but some high-tech greenhouse that, you know, they, they'll justify it to their millionaire clientele, right? I don't know, I'm thinking out loud. How? What an interesting it's, concept, right? Go ahead, Spencer. It's kind of funny, like, I've been in executive rooms, I've been to doctors, like, you know what I mean? I've met so many different people in the cannabis, it's insane. And like a lot of their oh, connections, yeah. who's not into cannabis? Just, Come on, yeah, are just dudes that grow. They're they show up like 
it's kind of funny. They always have like all the big money has someone that just grows their shit. They go right to the same person. Well, there's a lot of rumors that a couple of the different uh, late night hosts uh, have like grows that basically people run for them just for their private consumption. <laughs> can you imagine that? So yeah, and can you have <clears throat> can you imagine having that kind of money to basically have someone grow your shit for you? <laughs> Sorry, it's amusing to me. If I were rich, I think that's what I would do. I would basically have a grow, like a perfect Shangri-La grow where like you'd walk in. First of all, I'm into organic. So for me, it would just be like, you know, a biodome or something. <laughs> it would basically be like, here's the Africa region. Here's the Southeast Asia region, whatever. Okay, this is not my show. This is actually about you. Uh, what do you, what makes you excited about cannabis, Fang? Um... I mean, I, I, I love the fact that it's healed me and that it's brought me a lot of, you know, abundance and, and taught me a lot about the world that, that I live in. And yeah, man, I grew up really sick and through cannabis and through the meditation that it provided, I've been able to like unlock a lot of codes, you know, and kind of uh, figure out a lot of things within my mind and, and internal like psyche like i guess internal universe that's allowed me to realign my my body and mind and it's um yeah it's like it's almost like undescribable like how beautiful of a healing medicine it really has been for me and so yeah it, to me it's everything it's it's something that i've been doing since i've like i mean it almost feels like i've been in cannabis my entire life but started at 15 but um i feel like it's you know part of my blood essentially a question about that uh is there a particular um cannabinoid uh cannabinoid profiles that you look for that have healed you and uh you know and and then maybe you could break it down into particular strains maybe that have helped you or you've developed in that in that relation to help you sure yeah i like that question because like to be honest the answer is like i don't really i i am drawn to and that's probably the means that it's the cannabis that heals me the most but is like i think we talked about it on your show but is kush og and just like bomb la wheat like i feel like yeah. that's where i'm from that's the weed that i was most attracted to maybe it's the weather maybe it's just like the kind yeah. of vibe but it's a, that's what i like but, but like, i like, like cbg you know it'll really help with like gastrointestinal type stuff you know cbn or like you know kind of sedative which is sleep so i don't know like with, with my particular strains like i kind of i also use a cannabis for medicine that's what it was for me originally as well and I kind of developed, you know, cannabinoid profiles based on different elements, right? And, but yeah, OG Kush kind of, that's a blanket that covers a lot of things. But yeah, guys. like I, I never, I'll be honest, I'm not like a, an expert at all the different cannabinoids. And um, it, to me, like I just, it, so what I, how I would answer that question is essentially like, all cannabis is beneficial to me. And what I feel like is like, I can actually kind of direct my high or channel the energy to 
particular parts of my body that need the healing, whether it's like through breath work or through movement. And it's so it's like, I don't know if it's like necessarily strength specific, but of course there's um, the count compounds that are in that smoke, but I <laughs> direct it in areas <laughs> where I need <laughs> Oh, that was good. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah so i mean like i i love all i love all cannabis i think like they all it all has its place but like you know i feel like you can really get a lot out of all the strains if you almost like learn to use it with some kind of intention yeah yeah there's also there's that but there's also definitely um definitely differences you know like yep. if you have green crack you're not gonna you're gonna you're definitely gonna be uh you smoke some green crack you're gonna you don't want to go out and do a whole bunch of shit be very racy in the head like you're not gonna want to smoke that or take some dabs of that and go to sleep you know but but say you, you know have some means, crack. though honestly i do know what he means because uh I think everybody has a completely different uh, uh, endocannabinoid system. And so, for example, some people are super, super sensitive to whether it's got that kind of, you know, a fat leaf uh, of characteristic or the narrow leaf characteristic, right? The indica sativa kind, kind of characteristic. Yeah. But uh, I used to smoke. I used to have tons of sleeping problems. And actually, that was before I grew and everything, honestly. I used to have consistent, terrible sleeping problems. And basically, one of the uh, biggest reasons why I love weed, honestly, is because I no longer have sleeping problems. And I used to always buy, because it it's been legal here for a long time, I'd bought the heaviest indica shit they would ever give me, basically. That was always my question for them. Give me the heaviest shit you can possibly find. So I went through all the different cushions and all the, you know, basically all the different cushions and the OGs and whatever else. But at some point, I don't remember if I smoked with a friend or I just kind of thought like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll buy some sativa or whatever just for giggles. I basically bought some of that. And at first, yeah, it was kind of racy and whatever, and Chernobyl would make me even a little bit racy and on and on and on. But I don't know when it was uh, a while ago, honestly. Uh, maybe that was honestly when I did start growing because then when you start growing, you have enough weed that maybe you, just, you smoke enough weed. Maybe that's actually what it was. It's been a long time. It stopped mattering, essentially. And it really did stop mattering, basically, if it was an indica or a sativa. And so literally, like, the, the indicas basically no longer became that kind of heavy-hitting thing. I just had to have some cannabis, basically, some weed, some THC or something, and some terpenes. And then I was able to sleep and everything else. And so how do I say yeah, it? I, I think, go ahead. I think right there, though, you hit it on the head, though. Like, because, like, for instance, like, They've done studies, right? Research studies, right? Like a little bit of THCA, like really kind of like cerebral, you know, you think a lot, but if you have a lot of it, it's very sedative. It's the opposite. It goes completely the opposite, right? And so, you know, when you're combusting the weed, it's going to have THCA in the plant, but as soon as you combust it, that's going to convert. And that's what it is. It's probably like what, when you first got the sativa, you probably weren't smoking heavy like you are now. Right, you probably were a casual smoker at that time. I mean, I don't know. It's I, unfortunately I've been a fairly but, decent smoker for a while, but uh, I've said this. I need to, to take a year ago, like you were smoking. You're smoking heavier now because you're growing plants. You're, you're, you know, you're. I mean, and unfortunately, I don't remember basically. Like, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of your point. We're talking over each other, which is ridiculous. I'm always telling people not to do that. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of, well, it's also my fault too. Uh, how do I say it? I'm trying to think of what you're trying to basically get to. And I don't remember when it was that that kind of changeover came. So unfortunately, I can't tell you one way or the other if I smoked heavy or not. I can tell you now, though, basically now, all these years later, I should probably take a tolerance break, is I guess what I was babbling over you for. Uh, but basically for me now, it doesn't really matter if it's that coot special, Kerala, whatever, super racy shit. I can smoke that before bed and go to sleep. It's fine. Sure, I'll go to sleep a little quicker maybe, but I mean, we're talking about a few seconds quicker with white runts or something, you know what I mean, lately, or the Sunday driver, it'll hit a little bit, hit a little bit harder. But honestly, as long as I'm kind of lit, man, I can go to sleep. It's no problem. It's, it's, it's bizarre, right? Like you, you can, I feel like what Fang is talking about, you can kind of modulate your high on some level. Your same, same thing I can say, and it's totally unrelated, but totally related is that espresso. I could go take four shots, hmm. drink a nice mocha and go to sleep. Yep. Some people, exactly. some people are super sensitive, but I, yeah, same thing. Yeah. I could go to bed on coffee too. And I oh. think that's a perfect example. Yeah. To like basically so, where the terps can modulate your high, but mind over matter essentially. And like if you really knew, if you really tapped in, like you could control the high. And the fairly unscientific way that I'm thinking about it, we need to actually get some people on here who know what they're talking about scientifically, <laughs> is uh, metaphorically people have said that the endocannabinoid system is like a system of locks and that cannabis basically is a system of keys that fills those locks weirdly and surprisingly. Uh, so if that is true, that basically everyone has an endocannabinoid system that's basically a series of empty locks to doors or whatever else, to, to something. We don't really necessarily know what in some cases. And cannabis comes along and unlocks those things. In my mind, basically, perhaps cannabis is coming along and literally filling all those locks, and there's basically no empty locks anymore, and my cannabis system is basically satiated, and I don't necessarily have to go indica or sativa. I hope that makes sense. This is not, by the way, the, the gospel according to Hoyle. That's my theory, basically, that, it, you know, my endocannabinoid system essentially has been filled up, basically, by whatever I'm smoking at the time, and uh, that it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other for sleepiness, whatever else, relaxation. Anyway. I don't know. I still think... <laughs> I still think if you smoke a strain and like it was high in linalool, for instance, I think that could contribute to sleepiness. I don't know. Not necessarily sleepiness, but mellowness. Sure. Cause like lavender puts me to bed. Like that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Lavender puts you to bed because it's high in linalool. We don't but, often, you know, let me so back you, up a little bit though, because how do I say if this? A, uh, so if you had a combination of like, sorry, sorry, so if you had a combination like where the primary terpene is literal, the secondary terpene is mercine, right? I think uh, maybe the third one could be like carolophylline, for instance. I think that combination doesn't matter if it's an indica or sativa, if it has fat leaves or, or, or fucking skinny leaves, that makes no difference. I just think that combination of, of, of uh, terpenes with enough with enough THC, you're gonna get tired, you know. And then if it's got some CBN, if it's old, for certainly you're gonna go to sleep. But is it? Have you never smoked like some fucking 
like super sativa like straight limonene or maybe not even just straight haze i don't even know if the limonene's terp but and not yeah, going on a bed yeah i i i would know i i like like Humi said like i i smoke anything and like it fucking it, it works but then there's every once in a while like i'll get some of these like uh like chem dog i can go to sleep on chem dog pretty easy it doesn't matter like how there's a know. few things that'll hit me harder don't don't get me wrong like uh it's not as if i am immune but the thing is uh, sometimes i think i am a little bit immune basically i shucked uh, uh some seeds from something i should have shucked a long time ago it was just a little like a one sprig basic that i left hanging and it was super old i'm not gonna say how old but pretty fucking old and already pretty heavy stuff and i smoked it a couple days ago and then just basically left allegedly went somewhere else in that like grocery shopping and stuff like that i was fine you know, like stuff like that, it just kind of goofs me oh. off. Like other people seem to say that that will put them to bed, to sleep, whatever. It's like, eh, five oh, years ago, maybe good. ten years ago, a couple years old, and it was already pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah, it was like tester <laughs> seeds, yeah, basically. Don't worry. It's a good point. Flower that had just been sitting around, like in a jar. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Super heavy CBN wow. and everything else. I don't know. Everybody, like as yeah. Bud Kellawatt said, basically everybody's endocannabinoid system is different. And honestly, uh, sometimes I get really annoyed because I would like to get super fucking lit like some people do. And so I need to take a tea break one of these days and I just don't want to, right? Because who wants to take a tea break? Cannabis makes everything so much better. But uh, basically I should because honestly it would be nice if a joint got me lit instead of just like, eh, you know, hi. But again, this uh, is not my show. Are animals? Pardon? Oh, even yeah, edibles, edibles, dude. I, even edibles, I have to take like a thousand milligrams to even kind of feel it. I mean, I, I feel a thousand milligrams, don't get me wrong, but I get wobbly. It's not like I'm non-functional, I'm just kind of wobbly. So it's like, yeah, like, honestly, it takes even more than that. It's kind of annoying, you know, because how much weed can you consume in a day, you know what I mean? It becomes annoying. Anyway, back to, uh, I thought this was quite interesting, Fang. Honestly, we do not nearly enough talk about the body, I'm sorry, not the, the body, but the mind. Uh, the most common thing I think that we talk about with cannabis is body, body, body. You know, that's honestly the, uh, the way that I think we justify it basically to, on some level, to the squares, I guess. Maybe we think of it that way, right? Like you want to convince people that you're not just a stoner maybe, because honestly, hey, there is nothing wrong with getting high. I think people should admit this more often, but still, people are embarrassed sometimes. And so they kind of want to justify it. Well, you know, it helps me with my pain, which is true. By the way, I'm not actually bullshitting here. I don't know why I set it up that way. Backing up out of that weird setup, how do I say it? Cannabis helps with your body, with pain, with uh, relaxation, you name it. There's a lot of different conditions, glaucoma. We all know this, right? But we don't nearly talk about the mental help of cannabis, honestly. And you touched on this, basically, how therapeutic it can be. We talk about this with, with uh, so-called magic mushrooms, right? Which is such an insulting way to, to describe them. But the psychedelic mushrooms, right? When you do the work, a friend of mine and I were joking about this the other day, when you do the work, it can really have a profound effect on your consciousness. Everyone knows that, right? But we don't realize, like I've said this before, speaking of cushions and stuff, I've had the most profound observations, I think, sitting by myself and smoking a joint of something heavy that, like, I used to have... Uh, a really delightful cut of Platinum Yeti. And it was very, very, very heavy, cushy, just wonderful, wonderful cut, like pancake butter and just super cut. And I would smoke that 
and just get the stupid giggles and just remember stories. And maybe some, you know, someone told me a joke 10 years before and I would remember it and burst out laughing or I'd get the joke or, you know, just observations about something. I just literally like meditation, like and not even like it was literally like cannabis induced meditation, very much like you would have a psychedelic, like a psychedelic induced meditation, basically. Right. Is that how I say it? Is that the process that you were kind of getting to? Is that, well, tell us more, honestly. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Early on, I was turned on. I, I, I studied like, um, or I researched things online that had to do with meditation and marijuana, cannabis, whatnot. Um, and like, just always, and one of the first books I got um, kind of like had a few different techniques in there about how to like make the most of your cannabis and it kind of just triggered me into creating my own concepts around it and essentially like to me um one of the missing elements in in the cannabis experience at least like in the whole like i guess universe of cannabis is that the mind is the lost aspect of the mind and that it's just not it's just um not been described and and not essentially encouraged you know and to me like it's it's a it's a shame because it's the levels of i guess like potency and and to me like just like cannabis people can be potent you can be you can make you can be more effective with your time you can um be more effective with your words or you can be less effective with your time and less effective with your words etc and in the same in the same way you can be more effective at using your high and like through a few simple mental practices or or through um imagining uh, certain things you can actually like exponentially increase your effectiveness or your meditation or your healing and this is like i don't know it's never been talked about a lot of this stuff is stuff i'd had to figure out myself um just to avoid the negative aspects of cannabis or to get the most out of um the healing because i was tru truly really in a point where i was suffering um and i needed a way out so i discovered all these little tricks but no one ever talks about it and so then I see a lot of people in this industry that are kind of like suffering or potentially like um, not getting the most out of cannabis because people didn't tell them that they needed to like think positively when they were smoking or they like to like um, to imagine s symmetry and, and to uh, see to like actually take control of your posture and um and to imagine symmetry of the spine and a few little things like that that like to me were game changers like i fixed my scoliosis i um basically eliminated all the back pain that i had growing up um i was able to like you know overcome a lot of ailments and the, through through training and exercises that I don't think are ever being talked about. So anyways, like I'm just babbling, babbling, <laughs> excuse me. But that these are By things By the way, that, that's like, the show, but uh, no, I dig it. 
yeah and these are things that like eventually you know we'll be i want to be talking more about sharing with people essentially like little tips and tricks on how to maximize their potency and um and become their yeah full potential i mean how do i say it like uh i don't know please this is the show is not medical advice we're not psychologists or something so don't anyone accuse us of that or report us for that but it's an interesting thought basically that we don't talk about nearly enough that there is this how do i say cannabis is not a so-called psychedelic but it's a psychotropic i guess basically it impacts your psyche basically but it's not necessarily that kind of magical i guess they say there are some strains that are a little bit psychedelic but to some degree, I mean, you can hallucinate a little bit, some people will, but most of the time it just kind of enhances your experience, right? So, I don't know, how do I say, like, it's had this really profound effect when I've had, it's not to say that, you know, nice tropical sativas don't don't affect me in a good way, but it's always been this really fun observation, and actually I miss having something really cushy around. I really want to get something really, really heavy again, because I really missed just sitting there and smoking a joint and staring at the wall, and somehow that's just the most fun that you can have in a week, because you remember all these different stories, and your mind goes to all these different places, at least, you know, my mind did, and it was such a really interesting and honestly rewarding experience that I think is not nearly discussed enough, basically. Um, and I think honestly that's a very common experience with weed when you think about it you know just that that silly giggling the 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 introspective giggling to yourself you know what I mean like everyone knows someone who's just kind of stoners just sitting there on the couch just giggling right and that's kind of what I'm talking about like what the fuck are they thinking about whatever you know whatever it is that they're thinking about it's important at the moment to them and even if they're just giggling that's important too you know and that's something we don't talk about either. That is just, it's, it's actually good to giggle, right? So cannabis, if nothing else, is giggle therapy. And uh, uh, it's important to sit on a couch and just giggle to yourself from time to time, you know? Especially like life can be so stressful and, you know what I mean? There's just so much fuckery around and in cannabis or outside of it, you know what I mean? The world's kind of going to shit and so on. So it's kind of important to just sit there and giggle to yourself from time to time. I need a prescription, doctor, for giggling, please. <laughs> One giggle per day, at least. Um, how do you, how do I say this? Uh, I haven't actually asked a couple of uh, uh, guest breeders, really. How do you grow? Uh, I think uh, we talked about this, or I t Flora talked about it a little bit, but I missed most of the conversation. Do you grow mostly organically or a little bit of a combination? Or do you like to grow in all kinds of ways, or what do you do? <clears throat> so, yeah, like I'm 100% organic. Um been organic for about for over 10 years and um basically have grown pretty much every way organically from raised beds to like no-till essentially outside but not really on an indoor format um hugo culture beds outside um i've done water only inside like a super soil type mix I've done um, cocoa or straight like peat moss type um, inert mediums with uh, like liquid, you know, organic teas or ferments or new fertilizers essentially. Um, I've done little things like that. I've kind of dabbled in making my own um, everything, but at the end of the day, like, the amount of products 
so like the the amount of like turnaround I need, like I essentially like to rely on some of my friends who own like the companies that make amazing products. And I've been able to align with, you know, different people throughout the years to, to, you know, help me with my garden, I guess. How do you find that's a question that I sometimes want to ask. Uh, so I'll set this up a little bit. A lot of us, I think, know uh, some of the snakes in cannabis, no insult to, to your name, Fang, but some of the kind of negative uh, snakes in, in cannabis, right? I was just talking to a friend of mine today that used to be, I think, a weed rep. And she said, my goodness, she's met every single one of the most terrible Portland cannabis people, apparently face first, basically. Uh, uh, how do I say it? Dishonesty, on and on and on. Rip off artists, you name it. How do you, on the other hand, because it looks like you have good relationships with these people, how do you find good partners in cannabis and I guess maybe that is kind of a chip on my shoulder question or something maybe but I have struggled to find good partners in cannabis how do you find good ones or were they friends first for example go ahead sorry I've been in cannabis for over 14 you know I mean like actually like so you know in the industry in the seed industry for over 14 years Mm -hmm. like we or no, for, not 14, like 13, right? So it's been like, I've seen every aspect of it. I've seen it go, I, I can't say I've seen every aspect of it, but I saw the European version of it. I saw it become, a, you know, a US dominated world. I saw the up, the rise and the building of so much of what is the industry today, like um, that like, I've worked with most of these people, you know, and um, I think the the idea is like never giving up hope because like you could be burned and you could feel like, oh, like everyone's going to that your next partner is going to be like that or that you're um, that you can't trust humanity anymore or whatnot. But like, I mean, because I've had all those types of experiences where you could just be like, oh, man, I don't ever want to do this again. But like you just never you you got to give people chances you know take chances in people um create opportunities for equal collaboration treat people as you would like to be treated and um man i've been in the industry and around a lot of good people enough to know what it feels like to be treated well and when i don't get that in return um i just stop working with people and through essentially like a trial and error type type way like we've um ended up with you know a lot of amazing partners so i mean my history is like long and varied right like you i've been canceled i've been you know ripped off i've been everything right attacked and um so to some people it's like man actually like his they think that like there's a lot of drama that follows me but I honestly, if you know anybody's story in this industry, who's been in this industry, like full time and, and really doing the thing, their thing, like the whole, every, it's every day is drama, right? Or like, it's like, there's a lot of ups and downs, let's just say. And like, I've lived my life in kind of like the public sphere. So a lot of people have seen it, seen the um, journey, but in in a sense like dude we've made a lot i've made and our team has made incredible partnerships 
um, we are a huge network of growers that work together to create what we do. Um, on our seed bank, we have like um, 30 different breeders that we represent. And all of these are relationships that are hard earned and, um, and take time to nurture and a lot of energy. And some of these people, like I said, I've known for over a decade and now are like our leaders in this industry. Um, had they been bad people, I don't think they would have made it so far. So, I mean, sure there are people in the industry that I would never work with, but, and that are, that have made it far, I guess. But, um, you know, we keep our head down and we work, we do real, real creative work that we put, you know, put our life on the line to do. And I think that at the end of the day, like the good people kind of rise to the surface and people show up and um, it's real, you know, like we're, we're out here doing it. This is all we do. We don't have side jobs. Like this is it. And um, we're, we're, our goal is to prove that, you know, you can build health and wealth through cannabis. And, you know, that's our, that's been our mission and that's what we intend to accomplish. It was really interesting when you said um, you've been in the industry long enough uh, to know what it's like to be treated. And I thought I was, and I assume that everyone in the audience thinks they knew the word you were going to say was to know what it's like to be treated badly. And it was interesting to me that my assumption was to pessimism and you went exactly the opposite. You said, I know what it's like to be treated well. And so you thought of it in this kind of abundance mindset. It reminded me of uh, Breeder Steve. When I, I haven't been doing this nearly as long as you have. I've not even quite two years, not even close. I think a year and a half, basically, I've been doing this sort of professionally. And right when I sort of started was, well, thank you. Uh, right when I started uh, Breeder Steve, I was interviewing him and I said something like, oh, I just got started, da, 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 da. And he was like, just didn't even miss a fucking beat. He was like, congratulate in his you know big old teddy bear voice, like, congratulations, right? Like like Yogi Bear, congratulations. And it struck me because had I say it, I had noticed that I didn't get any kind of congratulations, you know, just like friendly congratulations. Not like, oh my God, congratulations, Fudor, you gold medal winner of life. Nothing like that. Just like, oh, good for you, you know, something like that. Normally when a friend starts a business or whatever, you're like, good for you, you know, good luck, da da da, something like that. And Breeder Steve, without missing a friggin' beat immediately wish me like, who the fuck am I right he didn't know me from a hole in the wall I mean I was interviewing him but just some guy that he met online but he sincerely wished me sort of congratulations that really stuck out and we talked about it for a little bit and I was like uh, you have a so-called abundance mindset and he said exactly right he said well he said something more eloquently than that but he was like uh, uh, there's more than enough room for all of us and I actually don't remember the rest of what he said right now verbatim but basically he said a rising tide lifts all boats I pretty much am summarizing him right now but it was very interesting for you to kind of say it in that same sort of mindset right like of course we all know that there are all these sort of the 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 swamp of the the reptiles or whatever i don't know whatever the the, the people we'll call them in cannabis that are less than honest but there are also apparently quite a few people who have been doing this for a super long time and are basically about the weed and about not screwing people over and so on anyway i guess i'm basically talking over you at this point but uh, it was interesting to hear you say it you know yeah, no, I appreciate you noticing. I mean, like we, you got to live in the positive, I, you know, I'm, because um, 
this world does can potentially weigh you down at times you know and um the mind is the the programmer it's the architect of the reality and at any moment if you have the choice like choose to grow you know that's what we do we're growers and so our whole world is focused on taking life and and propagating it to its full potential right and creating the most beautiful end product we possibly can and if that's the theme then that applies to everything we do so whether it's our our lives or the, our family family's lives or our team or our friends or our people our community like to me there's a duty for us to create health and prosperity because if we claim and if we can do it within our gardens why couldn't we do it within this human family um so no there's an element of truth to that what, what do you see yourself i guess this is a little bit different version of the question that i asked earlier what do you see your role i, I guess i asked earlier what do you see yourself as or something what do you call yourself as a cannabis breeder or whatever but now what do you see your role i suppose in life or whatever else are you um are you like Rick Rubin? Are you a shaman, basically? He thinks of himself as a shaman. So Rick Rubin, not Rick Rubin, I'm thinking of... Um, I know, love Rick. Yeah, Rick Rubin with the, with the beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he basically is a, a, a world-class producer, mostly for hip-hop, weirdly enough. Uh, you wouldn't assume that this like big bearded Viking-looking white guy would be a hip-hop producer, but he's worked with everybody. But, well, everybody, not just... genres, though. Absolutely right, yeah. He's worked with classical people, jazz, you name it. But when he talks, he calls himself a shaman, basically, to help people become their better selves, I think. I'm basically simplifying his, his argument tremendously. But uh, without basically talking over you or making you sound like Rick Rubin, what do, you, what, what do you feel your role is? Or if you have one, I guess maybe that's too much burden or something. I don't know. No, I mean, I, I, I definitely feel like there's, there's a calling, there's... Um, a duty that I've been given to bring like a message of healing and positivity. I mean, and positive, that's just not even like, but wholeness, you know, and, and community and prosperity. Like, I think that I've been shown ways to, to remediate myself. I've been shown methods, um to help others and it's part of my job to make that a reality um i i mean like i definitely am in in a way like a producer of sorts like behind the scenes you know we we do create a lot of art and a lot of it is is guided by the spirit um i think that i'm i'm inspired by a lot of uh, the characters you can say in music and fashion and art and design and and to me like i kind of see myself as um a creator like potentially like a creative director of sorts uh, um but also like a, a i'm a serial entrepreneur you know like i i inventor in a sense i have invented many many things that i haven't even been able to implement um but it's like 
cannabis has just been incredible, incredible to me in terms of like gifting me with creative ideas that I want to bring, bring about, you know, I, I don't want to sound like egotistical or anything like to me, it's just, I just want to live through cannabis and, um, there's been, yeah, there's just a lot I want to achieve. You know, I think that we're a potential, I, I don't think that we're living to our full potential. I think that, um, that's, been proven and so my goal is hopefully to bring um like this the same kind of healing that that i've been exposed to like i want to make that a reality for people so that's i guess essentially my my job i dig it by the way cheers charlie's farm welcome to the show my friend what's up cheers everybody what's going on man cheers buddy you're it's on the horn you, now with uh, Fang of Gage Green. Great have you ever met? Uh, have man. you met Fang before? No, I have not. Not that I'm anybody, but no, I've not had the pleasure, man. But I love your philosophy. I've been listening for about an hour. I got home from work a little late. And I know, I it's a right different in. vibe, isn't it? A very different uh, uh, way to look yeah. at cannabis, isn't it? Yeah, just you know. Yeah, we all, you know, like you said, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats, man. We lift up the least of our brethren. We lift everybody. And, um, you know, the half glass full, treat others. I do like the fact that um, you have the mindset of um, if we work together, we're, we're better when we work together than when we try and, mm. you know, because there's a lot of antagonists out there. When we work together, then we're stronger, period. That's all. Pretty simple. It's not, not anything that's rocket science. But I, I mean, love the doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you're you're having some soup, by the way, Bon Appetit, Charlie. But how do I say it? I yes. often think of cannabis uh, breeders basically as chefs at restaurants. And it's kind of ludicrous to me. Like there's, of course, competition be between chefs. And there's, of course, chefs that don't like each other. But for the most part, they basically support each other. They go and they eat at, eat at each other's restaurants because they're sick of their own food. So they go and they right. eat lunch or dinner or whatever at each other's restaurants. And they also basically learn from each other in the process they'll show off for their friends when they come and visit and whatever you know they'll comp their meals and stuff and just show off yeah. what, they're, what they're cooking and they don't have this sense of fuck you you don't get to know what I uh, am working on these days but you do right. on the other hand in, in cannabis kind of have that and I don't know how do I say it? you you end up having this sort of reciprocal paranoia I find myself not telling people what I'm working on because I don't want people to fuck it up for me or something you know like right, it's right. really messed up people should know like oh I'm going to be working on tuna fish soups or some shit yeah. I don't even know yeah, so that yeah. they can know what no, to expect what right no yeah collaboration man yeah. I mean you know um many ants make for light work hmm. you know what I mean and uh yeah, if we, you know, working together is, you know, um, I mean, even the small farmers that were getting screwed when, uh, when, uh, what, uh, what is it, uh, 64 went into uh, effect in Cali, mm. you know, and they were, they, they were competing against each other where they, you know, they were better off, you know, kind of, um, you know, getting together and, and forming some kind of a union and working together, you know, makes them stronger against the bigger guys that are coming in with, uh, you know, endless deep pockets that will just wait them out where the, you know, craft cannabis grower and the, and the, and the legacy growers, man. I mean, 
it's just a shame what happened to them and they should not have competed against each other. They should have, you know, I mean, I know things have changed a little bit, but you know, working together is always the best bet. And you nailed yeah. it, Charlie's farm. Like there isn't very much collaboration between a lot of different breeders. I've seen a few breeders uh, try it a little bit here and there. A few can pull it off for sure, but more often there's kind of discollaboration. Like people will start off in a in a breeder group and then they kind of splinter. You know, everyone knows with Subcool, yeah. one after another, people would break off and a number of different other groups. Uh, it is yeah. just honestly baffling and bizarre. I don't know uh, how does that kind of play back into because obviously the fang you're you're the guest so how, how should we say it? we should be listening to you what do you think about the the direction of cannabis i don't know do you think that um how do i say it like charlie's farm was talking about i often think about how i guess i'll preface this it's a long beginning of the question i guess but do you know wendy kornberg uh, uh, I guess you're, you're part. Okay. So she's also a Dem pure Alliance farmer or whatever, but she's in Northern California and she's part of kind of the, um, uh, uh, well, part of the movement basically to sort of build a craft Alliance basically in Northern California, right? She has a small farm. I don't remember how many acres, but it's not a huge amount of acres, right? I think it's called what, uh, I believe and, uh, organic, uh, uh, full sun organic, I guess, not even depths, I think. And how do I say it? Uh, she doesn't struggle to differentiate herself in any way because the cannabis is far better, as you can imagine. Uh, but she does struggle to compete in many cases, or she and her compatriots basically struggle to compete against the gigantic multi-thousand-acre concerns in Southern California and so on, the indoor facilities and so on. So I don't know. I guess we don't have to necessarily talk about people you don't know. But how do I say it? Um, where do you see cannabis going? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, like, I just wanted to people because Charlie mentioned that, like, you know, the small farmers or the legacy farmers, you know, were competing each, against each other and they should unionize or work together. And I mean, that's all good and stuff. But the truth is, like, everything was fine when we were all competing against each other. Um, competition is especially when it's friendly is amazing right it stirs so how do you thing. ensure the friendly competition then Cre uh, well free markets um it's it's only when but free markets wouldn't allow 4.25 dollars in olcc tax rate and 0.75 uh, cents. I'm being a sarcastic asshole. Sorry. No, I mean, I'm <laughs> like, I'm not opposed to regulation that's fair. But um, I think that there's what essentially in economics we call the term is collusion. And I think there was collusion between major, um, the major producers um, and cor large corporations as well with government. And I think that there's a lot of this is being discovered and it's not legal. So like when you have these large entities um, creating secret associations that are anti-competitive, it's actually like super, super illegal. Yeah, it's and, a monopoly. That's what they call it. Yeah. Right, Or and when groups come together and form one, they're called yeah, cartels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so like when you, when you, this is essentially like 
I mean, it's almost like ignored that it's going on, but it's it's exactly what's going on. And it's um, it's obviously people are vying for control over a very um, lucrative industry and there are billions of dollars at stake or trillions of dollars at stake, but it's like there's price fixing, there's, you know, rigging of like markets there's um all types of things that are going on that are essentially like anti everything that this um country at least here in america was built on and i think that it's incredibly odd that well i mean yeah like so i think comp competition is great i think that it's when there are anti-competitive people that come together and want to form you know yeah want to fix the price or want to eliminate competition that that's when it becomes like unfair and that's what we that's what's going on um oh i'm not muted <coughs> by the way that comment probably th came off like i was insulting highlander highlander i'm not insulting you at all uh we've had some trolling and stuff in the discords so i just basically made it like uh join only if you really want to be there pretty much so i pretty much i literally told everybody like if you i don't know a couple three months ago or something i was like please leave if you don't like this place so literally it's one of the few discords that uh yeah you you're almost not welcome so basically you're welcome if you're chill super welcome if you're chill but if you're not chill you're not welcome so that's just the rules it wasn't for highlander specifically anyone who's listening that's the link for the Discord. We don't post it that often because, like I said, we had some fucking dipshits in the Discord. Speaking of the kind of people who don't have the abundant abundance mentality or whatever I'm trying to say, it doesn't matter. Yeah, competition uh, is very healthy as long as it's, uh, you know, it's 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 got to be good, clean competition, obviously. Um, I mean, that's that's uh, another thing that uh, capitalism, you know, it's founded on, which, uh, you know, helps regulate in, in itself a, a market. If this, you know, that that helps bring the uh, the prices down, you know, they're going to fluctuate high at, at first, obviously, and then as competition comes in, the prices fall. But um, it just I, how you know, is I that? By the way, it. if I talk right over you, Charlie's Farm, yeah, we haven't even gotten started with the competition, though. But seriously, though, like we haven't even gotten started because Costa Rica, not Costa Rica, well, Costa Rica is going to be included. Colombia, I think, is what I'm thinking of. Uh, any number of other places around the world. I think Chile. there's a couple of places yeah. in Africa absolutely are ramping up already to do, they have export licenses and they're good to go apparently, right? So the, the days of like, I, I forgot to mention this, I was smoking a two cent joint earlier. Now, granted, it's a special Tuesday promotion or whatever. Normally, those, those joints are more expensive. But still, the fact that they can sell it for two cents, you know, it gets you in the door, obviously, probably. So, you know, I ended up buying this eighth of whatever. Still, you can sell a two cent fucking joint. What planet is this, right? But the reality is, like, when is the day when all the joints are going to be two cents? And I guess my point is, where is the role for high quality cannabis when you can get as much cheap cannabis as you could choke a horse with? Do you know right. what I mean? Like it could be yeah. that that will, the overabundance of the inexpensive cannabis will drown out anything of, of quality. Is there anything to that? But that's where that? the connoisseur is going to come in. That's where the, 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 the niche market for really, really quality high-end cannabis is going to come in, just like a wine. You're going to have those that are going to want, they don't care what it is as long as the price is, the price point is good. And then you're going to have those that really want only the best, the cleanest, 
you know. The dirty um, truth with wine, though, is that most wine is actually, even if they put a label on the bottle, most of the grapes, and even if they have their own vineyard, most of the juice in their uh, barrels actually came from the market, basically. And so they just bought Zinfandel grapes or fucking Merlot grapes or whatever right. from the marketplace, basically. Right. And so their grapes joined the marketplace. With like all they do with olive oil. Yeah, yeah, right. Basically, it's going to be surreal? vineyards that just combine. Is yeah, they combine the the, the same the same vintage. I mean, the, the same uh, um, uh, vine. You know, whether it be a um, you know a Cabernet or a, or a, a Zinfandel, like you were saying. You know, it doesn't matter. But they just pull it all together, and then they they they're going to just bottle it up. You know, but then you're going to have the, you know, especially in France and, you know, southern France and the Bordeaux region, you're going to have some really quality stuff coming out there that, you know, is just so, so highly competitive and regulated that you're going to get the finest of the fine. Or, There's always going to be those how bottles about of this? wine. We see, I, I would like you know, to agree with you. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to disagree with you. Because how do I say it? I'd like to right, smoke right. the nicest possible weed, right? And I think Fang basically yeah. breeds for the nicest possible quality weed. But I'm Absolutely. basically taking sort of playing devil's advocate, right? Uh, and I don't think this is that sure. unusual of a situation. We've heard people talk about flora. I think you've said this, that basically in the future, and, you know, we flower smokers are kind of a minority, right? We have to remember this. Most people basically are smoking cartridges or just edibles or whatever else, right? Uh, so people have talked about how they'll have fields of lemon terp fields it won't even be jack hair it'll just be like lemon terp plant number 17 or whatever and they'll harvest it by the hundreds of fucking millions and then the fields over next door will be orange terp number seven and on and on and on and on and they'll basically harvest that for oil basically send it into cheers d have a good one buddy uh and by the way yes thank you d for reminding me uh fang by the way i think you enjoyed talking for a long time but d reminded me kindly uh you don't have to stay the whole night this show actually does go for a while uh but you're welcome to i know you're also on east coast time like d you're welcome to stay like i say as little or as long as you want you've actually been here for a, a good long time so if you needed to you're more than welcome to go but if you would like to hang out we're perfectly happy to have you uh, what was I talking about? Uh, just the oil extraction, basically. And so the thought essentially right. is that it's kind of horrifying when you think about it. It's like a hot dog factory, right? And you don't ever. The expression is you don't want to know how the hot dogs are made, right? Uh, how do I say it? Is that our future, where we're basically going to be dabbing stuff that was extracted from ten thousand acres of lemon terp plants and blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah? And we'll think, oh, what a complex flavor on this pen that was basically right. put together by a chemist, <laughs> right? Is that our future or is there a future of quality? I mean, I think as home growers, at least, we can control the quality, you know, that we, we, we can control our flour and hash production and stuff. So that's one of the many reasons why I love to breed and grow cannabis, honestly, because like I have enough seeds now, basically, even if I, for some stupid reason, had to stop breeding, I have enough seeds for the rest of my life to have, you know, amazing freaking cannabis, right? So I don't have to right. rely on Marlboro terp pens or whatever some shit right but I wonder sometimes I don't know Fang what do you think is that is there any truth to what I said that there's going to be these just sausage factories of cannabis or do we have a better future ahead of us no I mean there's totally a future for hot dog carts and stuff I mean they they already exist and it's people can't tell the difference and that's the convenience factor so it already is there Um, it's there's, you know, they say that they can convert, um, C, excuse me, CBD to THC, Delta 9. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So like for your average consumer, like that kind of distillate isn't going to even be, they can't tell the difference. Um, but that's not ever been my clientele. And my job, I guess, essentially is to lift up the upper end of the industry with everything I, I got, because that's all I got. Um, I mean, our, our flavors are just like on another level, you know, like we don't, we um, are all about perfecting the craft and creating an opportunity for that boutique to exist. Um, th whether it's through education or through demonstration, I mean, there's like, yeah, there's going to be your two cent joints, but you, my cannabis is never going to be two cent cannabis, right? Like, there, it was not a good two cent I, joint, by the way. Spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> to everyone's shocking surprise. <laughs> So we judge um, the finest cannabis in Michigan and in other states. And I work with judge people who judge over 100 competitions. And so the difference between number one and and the the variance, I guess, between like the lower grades and the upper grades, it's like night and day. And that yeah. even within competitions. And so th there. For people who want literally the best experience and they'll pay for it and um to me actually the people that are actually doing the best work are technic are kind of few and far between i mean there's a lot of people who've gotten the aesthetics down or who have gotten the yields down you can say that about anything in life can't you that's we forget about that sometimes like most things when you think about it i don't know furniture or even cooking, you know, there's the yearly, there's like cooking awards, right? And there's, you know, there's great chefs in every uh, city and stuff, but the best of the best, guys. you know, yeah. like there's only a, a handful and people know them by name, right? And they can get jobs anywhere James they Bader go Award. and so on. Yeah, 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 right? How do I say it? Like, so it's logical that there's the best of the best cannabis growers, the best of the best cannabis breeders and on and on and on, right? I'm sorry, I was, I guess, continuing your thought. 100%, and it's, um, and I think like that competitions will help define it experience and actually trying the, the, the cannabis will define it. But it's like, honestly, I find it's find it very, it, it's rare that I find cannabis that is anywhere near the quality that I produce. And I don't know what it is. Um, but there's a lot of amazing cultivators out there. I'm not the, by, by me, you know, I'm not at all the only one that can grow cannabis organically well, but um it's like dude it's like um the people i think that there will be always be a market for people that want that small craft boutique that can never be replicated um yeah. so there's something about you're it. right and they're gonna they're pay gonna that price right. too they're gonna be willing to pay the price for it as well because it's gonna be worth that the devil's in the details when it comes to growing huh. literally you know um like you know just to carry your thought for me on you know uh, chefs you know, chef will, they'll all make the same dish, but each dish will be off a little bit and be a little different. You know what I mean? Because each chef is going to put their little touch to it. But the devil's you know, in the details. Just like, just like with cooking or anything else, really, it's funny how comparable everything in life really is. Uh, with hash, 
it's fire in, fire out. You can never really make an exception to that unless you were to, in the future, just do some weird terpene adulteration where you add terps and stuff, right? But how do I say it? Like if you're actually making, for example, solventless hash, you can never get good hash from bad weed. You can only get good hash from good weed. You can get great hash from great weed and you can get exceptional hash from exceptional weed. It literally works like that. And every step along the process, you're the bottleneck basically to the good hash so if you start with excellent flour you can end up with excellent hash if you don't fuck up anything in the process you're the bottleneck basically and with cooking basically the same thing is the case you have to start with good ingredients or actually excellent ingredients and you can have a plate of excellent food but then you become the bottleneck as the chef in the restaurant basically the freshness the so for example a sushi chef maybe you started with excellent fish from fucking hokkaido and it's flown to you by yourself, but you left it in the fridge for three days before you gutted it or whatever. You know what I mean? It's garbage right now, right? But you, you're committed to, to, right. to making money on it, so you serve it anyway. Sure enough, it tastes like assholes, right? But on the other hand, if it basically showed up that morning and was taken care of and basically, you know, stripped and gutted and freaking, you know, skinned and you know, all that stuff, descaled, whatever, and it's basically like almost still wriggling by the time it's on your plate, of course it's going to be perfect. And so you did not serve as any kind of bottleneck. And I'm just thinking to myself here, like, there's... Very few times in life, I don't know, it was probably too complicated of an example. I guess I should probably, I have too complicated of metaphors on this show thing. But that's my fault. No, not at all. I think like the chef example is perfect because you can have the SOP, you can have the recipe, but the timing of when that chef is going to flip that, you know, piece of steak or the egg or the, the toast, like every millisecond, it's all about intuition and feel and it's very hard to train mm-hmm. and you can even try to program a robot to do it for you but every batch of bread is different every batch of egg is different so it's like it's there's so much involved that like i think that to me i take it i treat it like a meditation like it, to me it's a it's a martial art to transplant plants to be in the garden to move with the plants um I, to me like every act in the garden it's a is, relationship it's a relationship yeah with that plant it really it's a personal if you're really passionate like some people are this way i see it anyway i mean i i, I don't really talk to them but i'll stroke them I'll, I'll you know just those little nuances i feel you know and everybody has their different one i didn't mean to cut you off but yeah you're absolutely right absolutely right so sorry they can feel it like they can feel your energy or vibration, your emotion, your um, your intention. So, yeah, when you show them love, they can definitely, you know, I think that there's positive effects. Um, well, yeah, to me, it's it's a it's a prayer. You know, it's a every act is is a spiritual act, essentially. And it, it, when you s- start treating it like that, it changes everything from the way, you know, you you interact with the plant to how the cannabis um feels in the end so that's to me that's where it's all what it's all about you know and yeah you can't be replicated <laughs> a soulless purpose. right which is the mainly what some of the the, the big grows have you know the, the uh the big industrials you got a bunch of robots in there human beings but they're doing the same thing day in day out and uh, they are, they're just, uh, you know, robotic in there in the way they do things. It's not necessarily love for the plant. It's just doing a job. And it's a lot different than 
putting love and passion into what you're doing. I know what you mean. I actually I mean, really, uh, I really kind of enjoy that thought, honestly, Fang. That's a, a how do I say it? Uh, I don't know. Either you like that kind of way of things or you don't. I think I've, I've experienced in life. Sometimes you like to just basically be that guy that, you know, like Clint Eastwood, you know, shot his gun and there's a lot of, you know, gunfighters that shot their gun. But then, for example, Clint's the guy that basically twirls it before he puts it in. Right. So, like, there's a lot of people who basically like to twirl the gun, basically. I don't know. I, I, for lack of a better expression. Um I'm into that kind of thing, and I think a lot of the folks that probably watch this show are into that just kind of, I don't know how to describe it, it's just like the being excellent of life or something, you know? Where am I going to with that? I guess where I was going to with that was this, honestly, I finally found the movie. Uh, it, we like to be multicultural on the show, and we like to not just talk about weed. Uh, this was a delightful movie. First of all, Sam Rockwell is fantastic. You can see kind of in the previews, this dude basically plays like a ninja or something of assassination. Uh, and of course, it's a love story, which is the hilarious part of the fucking movie. But anyway, uh, he takes killing seriously and he really basically uh, wants to be good at it, basically. So what I was thinking about is if you can be good at assassinations or something, why can't you be good at uh, growing plants or something? So no, but I guess, you know, I was serious about this. Like Japanese people, Japanese culture is famous for this, where, for example, um, watched an amazing video of... Uh, handcrafted soy sauce there are very few uh handcrafted so hand uh, uh fermented uh, uh soy sauce i mean they don't physically use their hands necessarily to ferment it but basically the uh, old school process of uh, barrel fermentation i guess is what i'll say uh there's very few barrel fermentation soy sauce producers in japan still it's super laborious. It takes a forever and a goddamn age, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but basically the product they say is super rewarding. And of course, a bottle of soy sauce from that is like $40 or something, you know, instead of a $7 bottle of, you know, Kikuman or whatever. It's literally, which is, by the way, distilled artificially, basically, in a big old barrel with, you know, chemical process and stuff. Whereas the other one was actually literally soybeans that are fermented over literally four or five years and develops these extremely complex flavors and so on. And the connoisseurs swear that there's a difference, right? But at the same time, it is basically a dying business you know like that that's one of the things that i remember watching about in that video they were talking about how it's basically a dying business anyway i'll back up a little bit to something that isn't a dying business you know japan is famous for you know in pottery the apprentices will spend five or ten years literally learning how to just basically clean the glaze room or they'll learn how to clean you know something else just some simple part of the process before the potter will literally allow them to throw a single shape and then when they throw that shape, they'll basically sit there and they'll master that shape and they have to throw that shape 3,000 times a day and then they crush every single one because the master says, not good enough, not good enough, not good. And like fucking three years later, they become the ninja of that shape. And then no, only so then will the master... Well, the point is basically that they become exceptionally exceptional at these things. And it breeds this... I don't know, a certain kind of design aesthetic where they basically design, they, they, the, the products are so perfect that they actually value the imperfection. It's actually, I think, part of the wabi-sabi is that sort of innately Japanese process of uh, perfect craftsmanship allowing a little bit of imperfection in life. I don't know, I guess I'm babbling around in circles a little bit, but I was very interested by what you said about how you approach even sitting in the garden. I don't know if there's a question there. Where is there a question? Um, 
I don't know, maybe tell us more about this because I'm fascinated about this, frankly. The idea of being basically, again, you know, in quotation marks, you're not literally a ninja of Grow or something. You're not going out and killing people. But I mean, like, you know, the, the idea of that mastered perfection, essentially, that that's, I think, quite appealing to a lot of people. And fr frankly, a lot of people here, Flora and others, have practiced martial arts and so on. So that's kind of in their wheelhouse, right? Like, just tell us more about how you think of that, basically. Sure. Well, I, I, I certainly was trained in um, martial arts and Kung Fu. Um, so I, I have a black belt in Shaolin Kung Fu. And so I think a lot of my foundation definitely comes from that. And um, of course, I have I'm from an Asian descent. So at least like there's some some of it is in my genes, I'm sure. But like to me in order to be impactful like it's always been about having mind body soul in every act um and i think like when you were saying for example like not too many people talk about the mind they talk about the body with cannabis it's um it's true and of course there's a lot of ailments in the body that often need to be fixed but what people aren't taught is that there's no difference between mind and body. Um, some people will think that mind is just right here, but like the same parts of the body that control, well, I mean, I guess the best way to say it is that the mind is actually throughout the entire body and that it's something that we kind of like aren't potentially aren't told is that our essence is throughout. And, and those kind of like realizations and simple changes in perspective um, within just like how biology is taught and stuff like that can drastically change your, how connected you are with yourself and, and how connected you are within your body. Um, but anyways, like, and so what I realized through my training, I guess, or upbringing through cannabis is that um, they're required like practice and intentional acts in order for me to overcome like certain hurdles or in, or in order for me to gain certain levels of healing i needed to essentially like tap into certain new perspectives of thought and um and so it became effectively clear for me that as i changed the way i thought so too could i change the way my body function um and then in, and then all in all that affected my spirit and actually like this is realizations that i've come across a lot of these realizations just through thinking and meditation and through cannabis but that's essentially the foundation of um chinese herbalism and a lot of the tonic healing that that we talk about is that the body is your breath and your um and your your like um spirit and your you're like i guess like your essence your your breath and your spirit and so when all of it is combined together it's basically the concept of mind body soul and um all of it can be nourished together and, and um this is like a lot of this is ancient knowledge that's kind of 
just been forgotten because we I was going to say, it's really interesting because how do I say it? Some of this can be approached quite secularly. Like, so for example, I'm a big believer in most of what you said, basically all of what you said in a sort of secular way. You know, I'm not, I'm not religious and so on. I don't really believe that. How do I say it? I, 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 I disagree in some of the, let's, uh, how do you put this? I don't even know how do you put this. Whatever, let's just say, you know, we might not disagree on everything, but I basically agree on most of what you said, and a lot of it has been proved scientifically, basically. How do I say it? Some, I don't know, what's the expression? I'm a little bit high, actually. By the way, this is ridiculous. This is dispensary weed, but it's this strain, Ruby Slippers. If anyone knows a little bit more about this, it's a long story. We don't have to get into the details, details but I'm thinking more and more that this is the Ruby Slippers that's in the freaking Ruby Jack, da 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 It's like a surreal moment when you go into a dispensary and find some weed that kind of like makes you really question life or whatever it's not worth getting into uh, uh fang basically um a friend of mine here in portland bred a strain that i've been working with for years called ruby slippers or i'm sorry uh, ruby jack and ruby jack is ruby slippers to son of jack and he told me that as far as he knows ruby slippers was a certain thing it was uh, nl5 shishkabarian and uh, alaskan thunderfuck but basically, I found this Ruby Slippers very unusual. No one ever has this. And all of a sudden, this dispenser I walk into, randomly, I was getting a burrito. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get some weed. Why not? And I walk in there, and they have Ruby Slippers. And wouldn't you fucking know it? It really tastes like it might be the Ruby Slippers. Anyway, that's the story. Uh, what were we babbling about randomly? Well, honestly, he wants to take a, a, a dab. Captain 420, it's a good chance to talk to you, my friend. What's going on, buddy? What's the what's the good news for Thailand? Is hey. it hazy there or is it just super bright? Uh, it's hazy out today. It's overcast, but you know, you say it's super bright, and you know, I say it's hazy overcast. So potato, it's potato, not snowing say. like Michigan. <laughs> it's not sm- snowing like Michigan and Ohio, and it's not cold. So. You must be in the right place. <laughs> right? Yeah. Dean, you have a bunch of snow too? Yes, and it's freezing cold here. What the hell is this, Coda? I don't know. I'd like to say uh, hi to Michael. I, I'm sorry. I don't Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was talking about it. random. I just really noticed. Like I was like, what the hell? All of a sudden, I had random app shit open. Uh, back to you, Kevin. For I'd like to... <laughs> Say hi to our guests there. And I'd like to say it was a pleasure meeting you at Gene Traders in Detroit this uh, past spring, I believe it was. I uh, like talking with you. It was a very enjoyable time for me. And I... I took away something from your booth there Uh-oh. and your uh, clone sales. Uh, I really like the way you set you up that <laughs> uh, up? ambrosia cut. Nice. Oh, you you saw our menu? Yes, I actually talked for about twenty or twenty-five minutes. Uh, you wouldn't probably recognize me or anything that i said but uh we talked about the lemon g that i hold and the death star that i hold hold from ohio yeah but are you from ohio we talked for a while like i said 
Yes, I am. But I spent from 2011 to 2016 in Michigan before I moved to Thailand here. Wow, you're in paradise. But we met uh, uh. last uh, spring in Detroit at a Gene Traders. Right. And I liked your setup of your clone book and the way that you handled your clone sales and things like that. And I just wanted to say I will be taking a little bit out of looking at your book and I'll be looking at that uh, Ambrosia Cuts. I, I thought that was right on, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we've definitely explored a lot of different formats and booths and offerings and menus and and like it's it's been fun just being a part of this community you know um, thank you for being so, you know coming up and supporting our booth and and uh passing the time with me i mean it's uh good to good to see you again hey fang did you make it to boston yet for the rally the boston freedom rally yeah, I was there um, last year. No, not last year, but in 2021. Yeah, I think I saw your booth at, back then. I was with, uh, I can't remember who I was with. It was either Jinx or it was uh, Ninja. I can't remember who, but either way. You might have seen uh, one of our reps. I, yeah, that's probably. Yeah. Yeah. I was just there walking around. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It was a good crowd, I got to say. It was a good crowd. It's getting bigger each year. It was... You know amazing i was so blown away i definitely want to be back the community right and the energy in in massachusetts it's yeah it's pretty cool no doubt after all these years man i'll tell you i never thought i'd go legal in my lifetime and just be able to have the freedom rally started with uh well actually it was uh normal that started we started back in 83 82 83 84 you know 50 people would show up if we were lucky most of the time on average it would be anywhere between 10 and 20. But um, like 50,000. Yeah, yeah. And now it's just like packed. It's just so cool to see and being able to just, you know, openly express yourself any way you want. It's like, a, you know, it reminds me kind of a dead show. And, you know, and then just being able to spark up. That's really cool. You know what I mean? Just whenever you want. Met so many great people there. Smoked some really, really good grass, man, that they had, no doubt. Uh, a couple of people, just exceptional stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. I hope you come, man, because I'll definitely. Definitely come by and say hi for sure, man. I'll make it a point because that's like the, I don't do a lot of events. I don't have the time, but between my garden and stuff, and then uh, things have changed over the last six months. But that's one event I make the time for. I absolutely make the time for it. So, yeah, right on, man. And we we've been lucky the last few years with good weather too. <laughs> I gotta say we've been really lucky. No downpours. It's been sunny out. It's been like warm. Yeah, the energy is so high there. It's it was such an honor to just be a, be able to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, Can't yeah. For one. It's one of my favorite events of the whole year. So I'm going to Barcelona next week. Oh, for nice. so lucky. Cannabis week. That's gonna be great. Oh uh, yeah. The food there and everything else. I don't have okay. enough room. I don't have enough room in my passport. I yeah. barely have enough to give back. <laughs> When they say it's a 52 or 53 page passport, 
You can you literally ran out? use oh, like shit. 49 of the pages. Wow. Yes. They didn't want me to come back from Cambodia and Thailand. I said, it's only a little stamp. I think and they can like, give you, they can give you a temporary page. You just have to go. Stamps. I think you can get like a temporary page. Just have to go to well, the embassy or whatever. There's special pages that they could actually use but when you're getting on a plane the airline uses anything to keep your money and make you book another flight i see so they called up thailand immigration they said well he's flying out next month in april to go back to the united states you know just let him in he lives here <laughs> i suppose so Anyway, it's going to be so freaking amazing. Like, uh, uh, just a warning any... out there that I feel like well, that's a fairly unusual situation. I'm sorry. <laughs> I that's an unusual situation to run out of those pages that quickly. But still, it happens. Uh, <laughs> Thailand is a real possibility, and it would just be. I mean, it's um, it would, maybe we'll just come see you so you can just stay stay where you're at. That's it. Exactly right. Well, uh, <laughs> we're doing clones. Come nice. and get them. <laughs> nice. nice. Gotcha. I That's so. uh, one of the government cheese by uh, Tony, their boneyard seeds nice. of NorCal. Yeah. This uh, one's going to be a nice one to grow outdoors here. It's going to give us nice big spears. So. Besides that, he gets them up there in Northern California where that heat is, and he gets that dry climate. So that's perfect for here in Thailand. Mr. So Toad, all I have to do is set them outside and they flower. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. That's awesome. No, he's got, he really knows his shit, and um, I'm sure you're going to have amazing success. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I am. And, uh, People here in Thailand can hit me up, and I can get you boneyard seeds that I have. So let's here, let's not do any commercials right now. This is actually a different I'm interview sorry. at the moment. So let's let's talk about that. I'm let's talk about Barcelona at the moment. Uh, no problem, Mr. Toad, but it's not a commercial time right now. Uh, so uh, Barcelona, what are you looking forward to, bro? Like we're collaborating with Terp Tower, who's uh, rolling and blazing. And you can see some of his videos on YouTube if you search up Terp Tower in Invitational. And um, he's just real tapped into like the European world. And he's actually um, just an incredible dude. And so I was introduced to him through um, T-Dog, the artist, and who does has done art um, for Terp Tower. And for hey, I'm familiar with him. He does good work. Dude, he's an amazing human being and artist and yeah um so he's uh he's been just like yeah an incredible person and so we so he introduced me to um terp tower and because i basically mentioned that i wanted to go to spain with the organic cup and we kind of collaborated so the idea is that we're going to basically be doing like a social club tour hmm. and visiting all the different social clubs and the Barcelona area. I mean, not all, as many as we physically can with the amount of time we have. 
and then um, spreading the organic word, um, Dragonfly Earth Medicine, Green Life Productions, um, amongst like, along with the um, regenerative community in Barcelona and Europe, um, are there, everyone's going to basically descend on Spanibus Week. And so we're going to hold a competition with hash, um, solventless dabs and traditional hash, and basically like tour the different social clubs, go to all the events that are at, that are in Barcelona the week before. So there's like Gabadoo, Ego Clash, there's um, uh, Squash Off, there's the Masters of Rosin, there's the Autoflower Cup. There's a bunch of things going on. The Organic Cup is going to be throwing like a couple after parties and we're going to be touring with Dragonfly Earth Medicine and just talking about cannabis and spreading the love. So one of my most excited and looking forward to, like, honestly, I'm really looking forward to meeting all the heads, um, all the growers, all the extractors, all the breeders in that part of the world mm -hmm. where like a lot of this culture was origin originally founded and built. And um, like, honestly, like even a lot of the genetics here come from Europe and so it's going to be it's just going to be an honor to meet a lot of these individuals and to break bread with them and so i'm excited and a little nervous honored to just like to um, be a part of that community so yeah that's what the organic club is all about and hopefully we can spread the regenerative vibe there and meet some cool people in the community Sounds amazing, honestly. Yeah, it sounds like a, a week from heaven, or what do you call it? You know, the opposite of week from hell, right? Holy cow. Sounds wonderful. Uh, what, do you, what do you hope to learn most, maybe, from uh, the experience? Uh, do, you, do you travel a lot, or have you traveled a lot before? Uh, uh, how do I say it? Like, uh, being a cannabis breeder is probably one of those things that might enable you to travel now, right? Like... Uh, Either way, even if you haven't traveled before, like, I don't know, what are, you, what are you looking forward to learning from this experience, I guess? Is it going to inform your breeding at all, do you think? Or what do you know? I mean, I, I'm, I'm like uh, <clears throat> always absorbing information from my environment. So I think that like going into an area with such rich culture and history and, and diversity um, that I'm going to be probably upgrading in a little few ways more than more more than one you know like just being exposed to new things and meeting new people and um historically like you know a lot of people have grown gauge green group genetics in europe um we had a seed bank out there ran like a um kind of like our bank out of europe and the uk when back in the day and so i know a lot of people out there but i've never met them and also um i've never been to europe so this is going to be my first time i've been to other parts of the world i guess like mainly asia just um because that's where my family's from but i um yeah i grew up in america and just like have traveled a lot of the states for cannabis you know like back when high times was doing the cannabis cups, we would go to all the different cannabis cups all across the United States. So it was almost like a different show every month. Um, and we also did other events as well. So I got to see a lot of 
America doing seeds and, and genetics and stuff like that. But um, yeah, man, I've honestly like being, I'm so attached to my garden and I'm so like focused here, like that um, a lot of times it's hard to leave, but I do have some, a really good team that supports me. Can be nerve-wracking, nerve that's for sure. Uh, Fang, I haven't even actually asked you to tell us about some of your strains. Like, I've had indirect experience with your strains. By the way, Highlander did have a very good uh, question here. We can ask you that here in a second. Um, how do I say it? I've indirectly worked with your strains. Like, now I have a clone of grape pie that has your grape stomper in it. What else do I have? Certainly something with the Mendo breath, I believe. Anyway, so I've never had a chance to work directly with your strains. What are you working on these days? What are you excited about? Um, I'm constantly just diving into the, the genetics that I have like access in, in my, that like, I don't know that I'm attracted to at the moment. Um, you know, I'm always pheno hunting seeds. I'm always, always pheno hunting, um, clones. And so it's like an endless process, but, um, I think like when I breed, it's like, there's there's an intention and a focus but at the same time there's like a lot of genetics that are just like a time like kind of like a time capsule you know like if i'm breeding with these select moms it's for a reason if i'm breeding with these select males it's for a reason like they may or may not be here like you know in a month they may or may not be part of my um selection or repertoire next breeding so like every release i guess in a sense every drop is a unique offering that's like captures like a moment you know and um i usually don't um do more than just a few packs of everything and so everything is for the most part is limited and we um we want to create unique experiences for people so i'm always working with you know the next male new selections um always breeding down the line and kind of like the goal is to just stack heirlooms on top of heirlooms and to um to the point where like at the like every every male is a worthy male every female is a worthy female you know what i mean and that's like that's the level that i feel like we're at to where like it becomes very difficult to not you know to select when everything is phenomenal because for over a decade we've been combining elite heirlooms like i don't even know if half the industry understands i mean it's definitely you know more than half the industry that doesn't understand what that really means um the <coughs> like the thoroughbred you know what i mean versus like someone's knockoff or s1 or or bag seed or and i'm not discounting any of those you know because well, you know what? Honestly, uh, Smash is not on the show right now. Cheers, Smash. Have a good night. I don't know when he left uh, uh, right now. Uh, but we've had this discussion with him before. He doesn't like to take clones. He likes to grow everything from seed and stuff. So we've had these conversations on the show, kind of like we do now, right? We have this kind of pub-style atmosphere, right, about what's a uh, good plant versus a great plant versus an elite plant, right, versus a unicorn or whatever, however you're going to quantify it or something what what is basically an elite plant plant for you what is uh, uh what is the stuff that's worth working with basically for you 
Well, like, I think that's, I love that you brought up the fact that there's another breeder here talking about how, like, they don't, they breed from, they use, you know, new seed every generation, essentially, like, that's, um, that's like, true breeding, I guess you could say, like, essentially seasonal breeding, um, and breeding from seeds with a tap root, um, and not cloning, right? And I think that there's, there's, like, that's, beautiful and like there's a lot of that going on in super regenerative organic outdoor environments like in microclimates i think that's like super necessary dragonfly breeds like, that way don't they actually now that i think about it I, I think they find a male among the seed stock every year i think or do they i might be getting that mistaken that makes perfect sense like that's how that's how you would do it in like a, an environment like that. You know what I mean? You would grow fresh from seed every season um, usually, and select your males every year. And that would be how you would do it. Um, and now, <laughs> like our seeds perform extraordinarily well in indoor and outdoor environments. I do breed indoor and outdoor. And I've, a lot of my genetics have been brought indoor and outdoors, like back and forth to me, like, the, I, I am not again. I. Um, okay, so I, I guess like what I'm trying to simplify is like the what I'm breeding for is for elite heirloom clones, and because I breed with elite heirloom clones, um, and and the goal is essentially um, to breed genetics. That like for example aren't gonna auto flower right like i think we talked about that last show like you don't want pre-flower males like you don't want males that show sex too early essentially like um sorry like i started getting off track but essentially like what i'm breeding for is is plants that'll clone plants that'll be expressive after the fifth generation or 30th generation and that's like um something that you may or may not get from seeds that are grown year after year after year. Um, I've seen certain seeds like that taken into indoor environments and commercial environments and hermaphrodite because they weren't bred to have like, I don't know, like I think just like a certain characteristic that allows it to become an elite indoor heirloom for um, boutique cultivators as well as a genetic that will perform outdoors. So like I'm working with seeds, I'm working with um, males that I select after like four or five generations of cloning, you know, in a lot of ways, like I wanna see that, that male, like not just in its first seed variation with the tap root, but I wanna see how it performs if I've cloned it, you know, and then I'm comparing it with all the other males that have been you know adapted into like in my environment and this is like i'm kind of just going into my train of thought and how i've been selecting males but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the only way or the only way i'm gonna be breeding essentially but that's like how i've been doing it essentially i think it's given it's given other people incredible success for people who want to have performance indoor and outdoor and have males that are performing um, in every situation, same with females, you know, um, anyway, sorry, I'm just rambling. Yeah. 
No, you know, I should have told you on this show, we like to say uh, you're welcome instead of uh, sorry, because uh, I like to say we get too high and then we start babbling. But people enjoy it anyway, so a, we say you're welcome. Go for it, Flora. I had a question. Uh, actually, a couple questions. First one is, uh, <clears throat> does Mindo Breath live on through any of your lines? Sure, yeah, for 100%, like Mendo Breath, along with like Cherry Pie Kush and some of those original genetics like Grape Snomper or Joseph or things like that have kind of like became become staples in our breeding. So like they're never going away, right? They're like a part of the male line that we like continue. And um, I have a few kind of like lineages that I play with um, and go in and out with from but um essentially like yeah those are some of the foundation foundation so mendo breath is a part of a lot of stuff that has like breath work you'll see as a strain miles ahead um now that's going to be the omani padme home which is the f2 of the triangle kush mendo breath grateful breath and that essentially is going to be the next line that i'm going to be dropping um so yeah to answer your question yeah and also i just released like three f1s with um two different mendo breath clones and um we'll be continuing to do projects like that is the crystal locomotive alive in any way well crystal locomotive lives through you know grateful well allegedly like grape stomper and mendo montage which is mendo breath so crystal locomotive which um if people don't know is a jojo rizzo creation a it's a um, Arcata train wreck crossed with the 98 Aloha White Widow by Jojo Rizzo, who's essentially like the godfather, the father of GGG. Like he passed on the purple elephant and the Mendo Perps and the crystal locomotive and a lot of the genetics that um, the Blackberry Widow that became foundational to what Gage Green Group started with. And um, I pretty much like, um like they were they were kind of bestowed to key play and then like key play brought into the table when like you know i i kind of partnered with him is that key play would be jeff yeah okay and then the other question is is like a lot of a lot of breeders we build males right like we'll build a strain and then we'll find a male and you know, there's a lot of guys that'll say they 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 hunted through X amount of whatever, whether it be one seed or a thousand seeds, they hunted through X amount of seeds to find their male. So they say they find their male. That male is essentially that's their Michael Jordan, right? So you 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 have your Michael Jordan and you breed with your you know, you create your lines, your F1s with your Michael Jordan. And, he, and he's and say he's fantastic. He passes on just all the best traits, right? Well, do you want to keep Michael Jordan around? Do you want to keep that male around? Or do you believe that his brothers, that you can find something equally good in his brothers? Because uh, 
you know. This has been a like, debate between, for example, Flora and me, because I've said that the way that I breed uh, a little bit more. Ironically, I discovered this the other day that Schwale breeds a similar way. So we have to get Schwale on the show. I don't know if you know him, but he's a really wonderful photographer. So I want to get him on the show. He apparently basket weaves. He basically breeds into his line, then breeds out to, uh, to something else, and then breeds into his line, then breeds out to something else. And I've basically been doing something else. I haven't been doing it as long as you guys or as long as Schwale has. So I'm still at the beginning of my basket. But basically, I kind of do the same thing, but I'm doing it at the same time. So I'm basically like, it does me no fucking harm to basically breed into my Ruby Jack, into my other, my whole parental line basically is what I'm breeding into, fine phenotypes and everything else, and continue breeding into that line. But it also does me no harm to breed into other stuff while I'm doing that basically. So we don't, this is, again, not my show. I don't know why I'm talking about me. Uh, back to you. We were talking about you. I completely, I had a wonderful dab, by the way. This is That's why I'm talking like a crazy person because it was a wonderful dab. Uh, it's delightful, honestly. Have you had spray tan? Fucking fabulous. And I swear to shit, it might be psychosomatic, but when you get the right temperature, it has a fucking, uh, 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 What's the word? The the the, oh, spray the tan. yeah, it has the spray yeah. tan turf. What the fuck is the name of that chemical? The lotion, suntan lotion. Copper it has a tone. suntan lotion. Yeah, like a copper tone freaking turf. Fuck, it's hilarious. You you dab it. You're like it's like being at the beach or some shit. Anyway, oh, it's delightful. I don't even remember what you were talking about. I just completely talked over you. Well, the generations, males, <laughs> your yes, how we differently breed. Yes, exactly right. Back to you. I was totally lost. What was the question? If you, so Flora was eloquently saying, and then I just basically shat all over it. Uh, he was asking if you think it's worth building a male and then keeping that specific individual male around, or if once you've built, let's say, for example, a line, like a strain that you pick a male from, uh, that you can just go back and pick another brother, basically, from that line. If so you were to I, go oh, back and stabilize or something, go ahead. Yeah, like some people say they found that. I found that some people say, well, they hunted hundreds of seeds to find this perfect male. Well, in my opinion, if you did that, right, you're going to clone that male and you're going to use that male to create the F1s or so on. If you sure. ever want to back cross, you can back cross to that original male because that's your Michael Jordan. Versus finding something in the brothers of that male because, you know, obviously you create that line um, more than likely. So you're going to have brothers that you can find within that same line. Are they going to be equally as good? Or do you want to keep original, the original, you know, in fairness, I did not argue about Michael Jordan. Basically at the time I was looking for, you know, a male that met all my characteristics, not necessarily the Michael Jordan of those males. I, I get your point with that. It's going to be challenging to find yeah. Michael Jordan again. In my opinion, that complicates the argument, but I mean, Fang ask, you know, answer it any way you want. I mean, I think you. I think that there's validity in keeping the clones, especially if you invested so much into it as we all do. Um, I think that limitations such as plant count or size of space, you know, and et cetera, is what prevents people like me, for example, from keeping for keeping or from keeping my males forever. But um, I do keep like I do baby my females essentially a little bit more. Um, with the idea that like the son of like a champion male and a champion female is and has a lot of potential and like i think that by continuing down the line like i've found incredible success i'm not really 
saying that you shouldn't continue, you know, keep the mail for as long as you can. Um, I keep pollen uh, in frozen um, as well as in the refrigerator. And I do use mails for like as long as I can in that method. But, um, but yeah, I, I do like, I'm also really a fan of using new mails and seeing new variety. I think that like you can kind of wear out a mail or, or in a sense of just like how many more crosses can you make with that mail before it just gets boring. And um, I think like Not only that, but I mean, honestly, if you ever do want to stabilize so-called BX or anything else, really, you can basically run down and find a new male and then run it back to the original female. You don't necessarily have to find that original male again. So you, eliminate the complication of dealing with that male. I mean, if anyone's ever dealt with the male, they want to flower. They basically like a, like a, like a teenage boy, basically, they basically want to flower. And so it's constantly a complication like, Oh, better keep them out of flower. And so a lot of uh, people will keep them under 24 hour light, which kind of stresses them out too, which actually will make them flower sometimes if they get stressed out. So there's a delicate ba balance to keep the males healthy, but not flowering basically, because you don't oh, want to have contaminated pollen anywhere. Just to let you know, though, like that's a pre-flower male, like any male that flowers or drops pollen or, or expresses too much of a male, um, like, you know, trait in fledge with 18.6 or whatever is is a, or easily triggered male. That's like a male you don't really want. You know what I mean? And I would say like none of you grow my seeds, like none of the males will ever do that because like or the early comes either. I don't want those either. Yeah, like, I mean, like, those have been eliminated from the population, you know what I mean? Like, and and with enough successive breeding, like, you'll never see that. But, like, that comes from, like, certain genetics, certain land races, certain cuts that that can pass that trait on. Like, I have, you know, certain females have that trait, too, where they even start making seeds and veg mm. and stuff like that. Like, but those aren't necessarily the traits that I'm looking for when I'm searching for a male. And so, like, like I said... I grow males for many, many successful, successive clone generations before they're often selected at all, right? Instead of just like the first male that, or selecting it from seed where it's like still in its first tap root, like I've never cloned it. Like that's not a male necessarily that I would breed with because it hasn't proven itself through, like it hasn't gone through. And so what are you looking for? You're looking for that stability to not... Uh... Pop herms to not pre-flower to not uh, what else? I don't even know. Uh, not, go ahead. You want it to be able to clone. Gotcha. Right? And so a lot of males just don't. A lot of males, like after you clone it, they start to pre-flower, et cetera. Those are just obvious things that you want to eliminate from your population, I would say. And then like. I mean, it's um, interesting that you say that because a lot of strains that I've worked with, anytime that I've ever tried to keep a male from subcool stuff or I don't even know, a bunch of different stuff, honestly, uh, even wild stuff, honestly, uh, uh, bland ray stuff, it has wanted to pre-flower in almost all cases. So it's interesting that you say that because I would have to cull through, as you say it, I would have to cull through a fair amount of those things. But I guess on some level, it's probably worth it, you know? What, what are you trying to avoid most of all, pardon? Maybe with enough breeding to something right. that have those traits, you can essentially slowly water it out. Uh, it out. 
I interrupt you. Back to you. You were talking about uh, how you select males. Actually, that was Highlander's question. Honestly, he said, uh, "Do you have preferred breeding techniques? Uh, do you F one with a chosen male? Uh, do you like large pheno hunts uh, to line work, uh, etc." He was like, uh, "What do you like to do?" Basically, it's really interesting hearing you talk about it. Sure, and that's actually a good question, or it's a similar question to what he what I had talked about on his podcast. Of course, it's this is a new podcast and I'll, I'll explain it like, um, kind of like, um, well, one way. So essentially like one of the things that I do is I actually, and this is a relatively new technique, but it's, it allows me to kind of like, you know, hunt quicker in a smaller environment is essentially like, I will pop like 10 to 15 seeds in a cup or in or in a four by four tray or not tray but pot and i go directly in the soil like a lot of people go into um paper towel or water to me that's unnatural um if you want to i'm go sorry i misheard you clones or seeds seeds oh i agree with you yeah yeah absolutely so like if your seed has to be popped in a paper towel or whatever it's actually like to me not not biomimicry like we want to be able to yeah it's super artificial right that seed would never sprout artificially on a fairly sterile uh, paper towel it's not sterile because i mean even if you were to sterilize that paper towel it's difficult to do right because it's paper but if you were to spray it with alcohol and have it evaporate or whatever as soon as some air blows over it it's not going to be sterile anymore so i mean you're not really growing a sterile medium but you aren't you are not growing in a medium that is actually inoculated with good shit like real dirt is, right? So like you're growing in this weird environment. It's basically, it's one of the reasons why people get sick in ICUs or hospitals because they are exposed to all kinds of bacteria that basically live there that don't live other places. And they're like super bacteria now because that like that's the only place that they can live and so on. Isn't that fucking weird? Like why would you germinate your seeds in like an ICU laboratory? The fuck? Right? I read your website before we came on and i was i love you know of course you got the regenerative approach the clack clackamas coot model and a lot of your your perspective in terms of like using more beneficial bacteria exposing yourself to paris predators or i guess like pathogens and beneficials and like i i was like yeah man like obviously we're on the same wavelength and um to me like that's the world that we need to to move towards is something where we create resilience and immunity and even in the hospital one of the one of my missions is to create a regenerative the, um, themed regenerative based hospital that hmm. that practices these like somewhat cutting edge but really are original human ideas that like where we, yeah, where we test these concepts on like a, on a scientific platform and we give um, people a shot at, at a live at going to hospitals that like actually treat people with the, the regenerative, you know, holistic love that we all deserve, you know, and anyways, um, so yeah, go hospital, gener- oh, yeah, seeds. So like I'm I'm all about creating and breeding for seeds that are resilient, that'll go and pop, you know, in the dirt. So essentially if you were outside it and you were gonna put seeds into the ground that they would pop. Mm-hmm. And um 
So we breed for that. We breed for like. I mean, it is literally called weed, right? Like it, it, we literally call it weed. We don't call it weak shit. We call it fucking weed. So if it can't grow in the dirt outside, why why are you pretending to call it weed, right? I'm serious. Like when we think about it, seriously. Well, you like, know, weed has become what I, you know, it's funny because it just came to my head, but it's now it's like instead of weed, it's weak. Like a lot of people are. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the shit won't pop, right. or it's or like, no. I hear that shit, will. man. I hear like, oh, I got fifty percent germ off this three hundred dollar pack. I got seventy five percent germ off a two hundred dollar pack. I'm just like, what? Seriously? I mean, come on. It has. I mean, it, well, is it ten years old? No, it's literally a year old. No, six months old. <laughs> it's on the responsibility of the breeder to hence like the finest seeds, is like I would say. But then, like, it's also like this thing where we do like satisfaction guarantees and germination guarantees. So if someone has even one seed not pop, like we'll send it out to them because you deserve to get what you paid for, whether it's on you or on us or whoever, like it's really nobody's fault at that point. Like if you, if the customer doesn't fucking get what they paid for, right? Like, so we promise we offer that guarantee. So um, I think, we but one, one of the, the reasons first. why you're able to offer that guarantee probably is that because you have 100% germination, right? Like you don't really have to worry about it. You don't have, you probably don't have too many angry customers saying, hey, Fang, what the hell? I only had two germ or whatever. It's probably nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 every single time, right? Right. Like we don't get too many complaints. I mean, once in a while, you know, and there'll be people that even pretend like they have complaints, but we do our best to take care of our people and we wouldn't be here if we didn't, right? And like, there wouldn't be so many breeders that have started their lines with our genetics if it wasn't um, incredible. And so, well, yeah, like, so people breeding inside, have they've eventually like bred for weaker gen genetics because they, I think because of the practice, their practices and um, creating, creating a lot of issues. Um, in people's gardens because they're creating genetics and passing on their problems essentially like your your plants are out learning from their environment from the breeder and so if if they're not bred like with love and with intention and, and treated correctly and then of course like i don't know i mean there's just obviously a lot of ways you could really fuck up right like if you obviously eliminating all that do everything properly and and correctly usually and that's what yields the best results um and so we obviously mimic that concept with everything we do as much as we can um but yeah like by just doing not cutting corners not compromising and doing things whenever we like whenever it comes to mind i do it you know like i don't wait i i do as much as i can and i think that's like Hmm? we didn't hear you flora do you do you feed differently while to the plants that are pollinated when you're doing a breeding run to the females that are receiving the, poll the pollen do you feed them any differently than you would normally in like a you know 12 12 or 11 13. yeah actually i do wow. i feed my plants a little uh, more nitrogen um when they're pr pregnant and then i would normally when um when they're not seeded like first of all i'm not really looking for an like harshness right is not a factor um i'm yeah. not looking for plants to fade 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, I want those plants to be healthy and green and lush and no burn. How long do you take them longer than normal? Like do you, to the point of death or when do you like to pull the, the seeds? Until the seeds are fully mature. And that's something that you can like, you know, observe. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> the whole yeah, they'll fall, a lot of times they'll fall out of the plant, but there's yeah, some people point. out there with this idea where they want to like think think of it as like uh, like it's gonna vine, it's gonna die on the vine. Like they want your fucking plant to die, right? I, I don't take it that far usually. I don't, I yeah, take, I don't even I like that take, idea. I feel like maybe once the plant starts to die, it's going to start to decompose. I've actually thought about this. And, you know, this yeah. is, again, arm yeah. I don't have science behind this. But uh, when I think about it, if the plant has died, it's already going to be in an organic environment. It's going to be colonized by all the saprophytic bacteria and fungi. And it happens, actually, that, uh, how do I say it, if you just let a plant fall over and compost or whatever, it'll start to basically break down, right? So how do I say it? It probably is getting infected infiltrated basically by fungi and those fungi might get onto the seeds basically so if you have a plant that's already kind of decomposing i'd be worried about those saprophytic fungi on the seeds are those saprophytic fungi a problem necessarily on the seeds no because they feed on dead tissue but i mean like again i don't necessarily want to inoculate my customer's garden with whatever fusarium or whatever the fuck right like wh whichever fungi it would be I don't know. I'm thinking. You know, this is this is my thought process. I, I don't necessarily know that this is the gospel truth, but I dislike well, okay. that idea. Like the one thing that I don't like about the idea is like, if you were to, because it's called like field drying, I think, where people just chop and let it field dry, or literally just let it die in the field, and like that usually leads to like some pretty bad weed. Um, it's super brown and you know not versus shade drying, right? Or drying in a fucking controlled environment you're drying under the sun but then like usually at that point you're actually it's not sunny it's cloudy and rainy and cold right because it's fucking october or whatever and you're like and then it's like snow is coming down like that like that if you were really trying to mimic that in in an outdoor environment or indoor environment you wouldn't be i mean you could you drop the temperature or whatever i don't know like obviously that's to me like it's all about mimic mimicking nature uh, joshua steensland i want to say used to back when he used to grow in his uh he's, he used to grow up in washington i don't know where he is now but he used to uh grow in his indoor bed uh he'd just dry out the bed basically the last two or three weeks he would just let it go pretty much dry basically and the plants would suck up all the moisture and he would check it with the moisture meter it would just basically be bone dry and the plants would die on the vine interesting probably pump the thcv like crazy but uh what, what my concern also i guess with the seeds would be maybe it would be somehow suboptimal like maybe it would dry them out the seed shells or something i don't know i haven't had enough times to do it one-to-one -one, you know to do the experimentation but in my head it would be harsh on the seeds and i don't want there to be any harsh conditions for the seeds i want them to have like the optimum parcel possible life before they get kind of shucked or whatever and even then after that right. I agree. Like, it's like you want to treat the pregnant lady with the utmost, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and every aspect of like the upbringing of the seed affects the future outcome. I think it's not just genetics, but there's a lot of epigenetics involved. And I think like when people, sometimes people do like abuse their plants, you know, whether intentionally or unintentionally, and that can affect the, the outcome of a, a seed as well. Like, no, I've I don't know. It seems plausible, honestly. There's, there's a lot of weird. 
<laughs> no plant spanking. Okay, there we uh, go. How do I say? Damn uh, unless we'll find out the plant spanking spikes THC uh, V or something. I don't even know. Limonene or whatever. Suddenly they're super lemony. Uh, super sour. If you abuse it. What's that, Kevin? I have a question. Do you find, you know, since you do fi- feed it more nitrogen and you keep the plant a little bit more greener so it doesn't senesce all the way, do you find that that plant actually takes longer to finish or you could actually take that plant longer uh, by maybe seven to 14 days, a week to two weeks, because you did feed it more to give those seeds more nutrients to be as viable as you get them. Because I seem to take my seeds a little bit farther past the harvest date and I find that the majority of my seeds have a really good germination rate with a little bit more leaning towards females. What's that, Flora? You cut out. Uh, talking behind me. Oh, I got you. I don't think that there's any, I have to be frank, I think there's a lot of people who've said this before, and I'm not going to say who, but I've run into some really, really high-end, expensive, fancy, famous breeders who've said that they, there are ways to uh, change the, the genetic sex of the seeds after they're formed. And I just don't think that's true. I think once the the stamen and the, or what's the word I'm looking for? Once the pollen meets the, I'm not going to say who because it's some famous people. And I just yeah. don't want to get fucking make enemies or whatever. I mean, they're no, nice people. You can everybody gets me. to be wrong about something. It was D exactly. Uh, everybody gets to be wrong about some um, something is the way I look at it. As long as you're not wrong about too many things, you'll be okay. Uh, but how do I say it? In my opinion, as soon as the just like a human being, as soon as the sperm hits the egg, boom, you've got it. Now, of course, there are the how do I say it? There's not there as we're discovering unfortunately the republicans have made this a whole you know news issue but there's not just male and female there's a bunch of intersex cannabis has the same issues basically but effectively genetically you can even identify that you can well okay let's not talk about uh, uh, humans now for a change because that gets more complicated but with plants anyway you can do genetic testing and you can actually tell okay it's genetically male genetically female genetically something else uh and you can tell that basically at the moment of germination but Whatever. Everyone disagrees. Fang, I'm curious what you think. Is there a way to like change that or, or I don't know, moderate that basically? Like there are some people who think that you can. Talk about a load question. <laughs> what? It's a trap. It's a trap. I recently heard something um, that was interesting from an from like an old school farmer and he's basically like he says that if you look at a seed under a microscope and he says he's almost 100 percent accurate with this um obviously i haven't seen this or tested this but he says if there's ridges inside like the divot basically where the seed connects yeah. to the plant he's yeah he's yeah, like if there's ridges it's a male yeah, yeah so that, that, is- i've seen that too that uh, was a greg, greg green or that's his name Bill. Old, old wrote the old cannabis books and he's got a uh-huh. page in there and it shows like uh like six or seven different variations but yeah basically there's indentation on the butt of the seed 
and whether it pointed out or ended or, or whether he was rounded versus like football shape. I think the football shape ones were, were male. I'm not sure, but I'm sure Fumi can find that or I can Google that page. Hang on, I'll I'm just, uh, I was going to say, you know, in the future, I can spend more time uh, uh, doing a, a sort of analysis of these seeds. I was just looking for this picture right here, basically, while Flora's looking. This is, uh, I think this was some of one of my strains, Dread Persephone, but I can't swear to it right now because unfortunately I didn't write it down. But anyway, it was a bunch of different seeds. And one interesting thing about a lot of my strains so far is that, uh, at least my older strains, the new ones, I don't know necessarily because they have a different father, but the older ones, uh, they had successive different fathers even, had a lot of different twins. And wouldn't you know it, in here it seemed like we could identify a few twins. I think that's one right there. We were basically looking. I think that's one right there. Uh, actually, this is an older picture. I want to say this is almost maybe three years old because I think we were talking about this picture on the EO show. I think that's a twin right there. Uh, how do I say? Uh, I wonder if you can, by basically just looking at them, First of all, if you can tell it's a twin, a lot of the times the twins are big old fat seeds, so that's kind of obvious, frankly. Uh, but not every strain, because again, my strains, some of them, uh, they still have twins, but the seeds were the same size, like Thousand One Nights. The seeds are basically identical. They all look like fucking clones, but they were not clones. Some of them were twins. Uh, how do I say? I'm curious if you could actually analyze these, because look, I mean, there are obviously differences. Okay, why can't I zoom in more? There we go. Like this one right here, you know, maybe by looking at that, maybe by you could tell, okay, it's a male, it's a female. Obviously, I've been a little bit too rough with these seeds because I'm peeling off these uh, uh, husks here. But I don't know. I'm curious. You never know until you look into it, right? That's how science works, ladies and gentlemen. And you'll know. Yeah, take a look at that link. Uh, you missed it, D. That was a good you'll know. Here we go. Oh, interesting. It's kind of potato quality, but we'll take a look. We'll take a oh, look. Oh, yeah. It's not the best quality. Not the best quality. Took it with his best 18th century daguerreotype camera. <laughs> <laughs> what digital? No, bro. I just do daguerreotypes. So, seeds one, three, and five are female. They should be used for something. Seeds two and four are not female. They should be discarded. Well, according to you, motherfucker. <laughs> sexist. This writer is obviously very sexist. We're going to laugh at him. But anyway, uh, when selecting female seeds, you use, you use only those seeds that have a perfectly round volcano-like depression at the bottom where the seed was attached to the plant. This depression is shown in seeds 1, 3, and 5. Anything short of this, uh, as shown in seeds 2 and 4, should not be used. They may be males or morphodites. Be very selective. It's typical to blah, 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 something else. So, okay, basically, again, excuse the already potato quality, but that's super round like the Death Star. That basically looks like the general that was trying to shoot down the Death Star, right? That, again, looks more like the Death Star. That's, again, basically that same weird-looking alien uh, general that was the rebel that was trying to shoot the Death Star. And once again, we basically have the Death Star. Right. Let's see if we can look at that other picture that I had. Head for the exhaust shaft. Let's see if we can look through here. Okay, so there's a few that are, would we say that that's perfectly round now? So that one is not round. So we would assume, based on what he just told us, that that is a male. And we would assume that maybe that's a female. 
Does anyone have any opinions? I don't know. That one right there is pretty round. That one could be a female. I mean, unfortunately, this picture was not really taken to maximize depth of field, so don't really have very... That yeah, one's pretty round. I feel like back at your seeds. That one's round there. What's that, D? Let's go look at those seeds that I got popping. See if there's anything like that. Right? Crazy. It would be interesting if that was the truth. Um... Fang, do you think there's any truth I, to that? In the first week. Maybe. I don't know, but there potentially is. I mean, according to some people that I know, it's real. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know if they they based it off of what you just showed or if there was another method. Or, But, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's there may be. Hmm. I'll have to pay attention to this. It's a little bit of work, though, because you basically have to get uh, every single seed that you're going to pop and look at it basically under a magnifying glass and then notate each single seed. Mark every single seed and then notate it basically. Okay, it was round, not round, da-da-da-da-da. Oi, it adds up to, you know, a lot of work, you know. People forget that that's a lot of work. But it could be rewarding because, you know, it's it's sometimes interesting to be able to call the females and the males. I mean, who wouldn't like it? Honestly, as a breeder, you actually do look for males. So that's why I, I was saying, you know, boo, because half the process is looking for males, right? Like you look for females, but you also have to look for males, right? We were just talking about that. Uh, how do I say it would be nice sometimes when you are, like when you build lines or anything else, just to call all the females, basically. Sometimes you don't even need them. Uh, uh, it, it's weird for, uh, I think, a lot of people to think about that, right? Because most people, they only call the males. But when you think about it, some breeders only call the females, right? So it's a completely different paradigm. But anyway, it's super interesting to think about how different people work. Uh, Feng, uh, uh, what are some strains that you've lost over time? Or do you know of any like that? Uh, I mean, almost every strain I've lost and had to at one point or another, I think. For sure. Like, I mean, it's just, I'm not the world's best cloner. So, like, shit happens. We've, I've gotten raided. I've mm. moved, given my grow, had to give my grow to other people, gotten it back. I've gotten, I've lost everything multiple times. You know, I've had people steal shit from me and then I've gotten back from other people through the grapevine. I've had, all types of interesting experiences with clones. But yeah, like at certain point, at many points in my life, I've lost all my clones. Is there anything that you didn't get back or that you, uh, how do I say it? Uh, you wish you could get back. Hmm. I, I never feel like there is anything out there that I can't get with the, like, honestly, abundance of the community and just how many people have, um, do treasure, classic genetics and have preserved clone every clone is somewhere and i've to me that's like just a beautiful idea um it's just the plant that keeps on giving never have i ever desired like anything a lot of the stuff that i have is i guess almost like just come comes to me and i don't search for it you're Genetic probably guy. somebody that would. Uh, oh, I did. I think I interrupted you just then. Go ahead. No, I just said I don't typically have to go search too far to find good genetics. You know, usually just they come to me. But what were you gonna say? 
I was going to say, you're actually somebody that would probably appreciate this. I've said this before. I'm not normally... Oh, that's the expression that I was thinking of earlier. I, I hope this doesn't come across insulting because the, the expression does come off a little bit insulting, but the expression woo-woo. And so how I was going to say, like, uh, I'm not normally very woo-woo about stuff, but there are a few things that I feel like I do sort of edge into that, basically. And one of them is this concept, and I've said this many times on this show, that I think cannabis somehow finds the people that it fits with basically. And it's sort of a weird expression to say that. Like, I don't know what is, is are the seeds somehow intelligent on their own? That, that doesn't seem logical. And yet I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives that somehow the right strain found it into their hands at the right time in their life. Can't explain it. That's a pretty stupid way to, to describe something when you try to describe something logically. But again, I've seen this anecdotally. I've seen this in my own life and others. Do you think that there's any truth to that, that cannabis, I mean, I, I feel that you probably will because you said that something similar, but still, do you feel that cannabis basically finds its people, so to speak? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we, <clears throat> we one million percent create the reality that we live in and, every, and, uh, and a lot of it is um, a, a gift from... I think like my the the most high creator um in no means do I like take credit for everything that goes on in my world but I think that um a lot of it with the right intention and prayer and um I like you can you can create anything Um, so yeah, I think cannabis responds to that a lot. I mean, I dig it. Who are, uh, any breeders that you look up to either past or present, honestly? Hmm. like a lot there i admire i'm friends with and i admire a lot of breeders out there so okay like every breeder on my seed bank is someone that i admire i respect and whose genetics i would grow um there's a lot of breeders that i've worked with in the past that i don't currently carry or we don't work with on C, with C bank um, on the C bank, but they're amazing people that I respect. Um, so like, I mean, it's the whole gamut. Like I honestly, everybody in the industry brings a unique flavor, um, a unique perspective, oftentimes incredible, incredible cannabis. Um, every, I think everyone is, is bringing something unique and the more breeders, the better. Um, every cannabis is bred for its environment, for its type of grower, for type of effect. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I personally like, there are very few breeders out there that I would grow their seed. Hmm. Um, and why is that? That seems very, uh, telling 
Why, why is that exactly? I, I can only, um, it's like self-reliance, you know, like, I, I mean, I, I see good work coming from everyone, but at, at, and I do collaborate with people and I do work with other people's genetics. It's, it's not saying that I don't, I do it all, all the time. And I work with a lot of breeders and collaborate with them, but it's rare that I would pop someone else's seed. Um, I fully am confident in the potency of the work that I do, that there's in positive, like good intention from beginning to end. And so like no corners are cut. So I know I'm going to get incredible results. If I'm going to dedicate six months, um, you know, a hundred thousand square, a hundred to a thousand square feet or whatever to any kind of project, um, it's going to require a lot of confidence for me. And frankly, I have too many projects often for me to dive into what other people are doing. So at the, while like I do support other people's art and, and creations and I do work with people all the time. Like in order for me to be my best, I have to be hyper-focused in what I do. And fair, so honestly, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah like you I can only focus on your own stuff, right? You can only really focus on what's in front of your nose. And if you start to dive into other people's work, you don't know what their selection process was. You might find lovely stuff, but it'll be haphazard. It'll be stuff that's over here, stuff that's over there, stuff that you might be able to integrate, some stuff that might not be able to integrate because you don't know ultimately if it comes from super different lines. You don't know if it'll actually combine well until you actually start to run out those seeds. So that becomes this entire amount of... So I like I, I think it's it sounds like I was being judgmental, but I wasn't being judgmental. I've, uh, I haven't even been doing it as long as you have. I don't do it as, as uh, on probably a nearly as the scale that you do, and I still have the same problem, basically, maybe even more so, where people will tell me on the show, and I feel like I'm rude every time that I say this, and I try not to be rude, and I say, like, I have to be honest with you, I probably shouldn't take your seed because it's going to be a long time that sounds, uh, that's, that's, that's what she said, uh, D, <laughs> he missed it, he's not even listening. But anyway, uh, so I said, uh, oh, that's all right, D, I just said, uh, I probably shouldn't take your seed. And I was like, oh, that's a perfect, that's what she said right there. But anyway, that's what she said. there we go. Anyways, <laughs> perfect. Perfect. The show is well produced. It's a fine, well-oiled machine. Anyway, that's what she said. Uh, how do I say uh, that wasn't a very good one right there? But how do I say, uh, you know, people will say like, oh, you want to trade seeds, whatever. And I'm like, uh, I'll give you some seeds or whatever. But I mean, like, I, I don't know that I'll ever be able to grow your seeds in the near future. Like, just to be perfectly frank, because I have like so many things stacked up and then there's always surprises and blah, 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 blah. Something comes up and whatever else, there's just realistically probably not going to be a chance in the foreseeable future for me to grow. Because, you know, people want you to grow their shit now, not 10 years from now, right? They don't want you to collect their shit with dust. Anyway, I know what you mean. You know, there's, there's a, there, there, and it's a pity too. It's a shame in itself. Like it's nice to be able to be uh, grow other people's stuff. It's just like, how do I say it? For a chef or for a writer or for a sculptor or something, to be able to see other people's work. You know, if you spent all your time blinkered on your own shit, that's fine. You become hyper-focused, but you also lose track, right? You lose track of what the world does and what the world has to say and everything else, right? And they might be on to something else and you're still focused on some other shit. But at the same time, you might be ahead of everybody, right? That's the, 
the trade-off, I guess. I don't know. I'm talking out loud Dude, but still. No, I love that. Like if you to me, it's just the balance between the two, right? Like you gotta have your own shit and then you gotta know what's going on and what other like at least what other people are doing. It, sometimes you gotta incorporate a mix of other people's style, but then sometimes but you really better have your own creative flow because otherwise like there's no originality and the same reason why someone's gonna you know might come to you one day is the same reason why someone's gonna leave if there's nothing real there you know so i think it's um yeah we i breed heavily into my own stuff but then i also love incorporating like what's new and what's innovative and what's going on in the industry as well what's it like actually this is sort of uh like i was saying i'm breaking my rule where i'm supposed to ask you the same questions but there's you know every single person has different uh interesting things about them what's it like being somebody who's been around for a while and whose strains are now integral to a bunch of other people's strains like sometimes you don't even necessarily know until you start digging in because you know that's unfortunately whether we like it or not that's kind of how cannabis works and so you'll dig into the lineage sometimes you don't know what cherry pie was made of or grape stomp or where it came from or whatever so what's it like being kind of this foundational breeder to a lot of different people people might be breeding with great pie and all of a sudden they don't even know oh that's actually got gauge green work in it isn't that freaking a, a trip it, it seems to me it would be a really interesting kind of thing dude it's awesome man like i think it's it's there's nothing there's it's the greatest honor i guess you could say and um i think that like I'm really grateful that people have been able to continue the art and reinvent and, and prosper from the creations. I think whether people have invested it into creating their own genetics or people who have invested into creating seed banks, people have started dispensaries with our lines. People have, um, well, they've like, they've sold seeds for tr many times what they bought it for. I think like these are all representative of, like the hard work we put into the artwork, the craft and and preserving the integrity of the the situation, I think. Um, whereas like, but yeah, like it's a, it's truly a blessing for people to continue the 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 genetics. Um, I think whether it's whether they are doing it with inte good intention or not, at the end of the day, it's it's a beautiful thing. And um, some at, at one point like i did say like i can't say it's i've always had that perspective like all the time i've always tried to be as positive as i can but you know at times like i've be, been upset at the way some of my genetics have been handled by others because like for me it's a spiritual act and for other people it may not I mean, be that can be fair too i feel like you know like you can be in so how do i say that you can allow your genetics to go into the world but you can also be offended how they're used i mean the same thing like people have kids and then they can be offended at how their kids live their lives i mean they have to on some level also let their kids live their lives but how do i say it? like you hear all the time oh i fucking no good son da, 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 da. you know like how do i say this like uh or i don't know maybe that's an imperfect example but even still both can be true you can be happy that people are using your work and you could also be unhappy that people are using your work right I don't think that that's unfair. That seems like it's a strange oxymoron, but I don't think it is. I mean, the emulation like, is the greatest compliment to yeah. somebody you want to emulate your work. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 Amen. I would think. Amen. It really is. And, but like, so 
there have been instances instances and i think every breeder who's been in it long enough hit they've experienced like what i would call like predatory breeding or like stealing market share and kind of like in in a in a conniving like hateful way like that exists but at the end of the day it's still adding to your portfolio like they're still imitating you it's still someone who's purchased your genetics and then is continuing that in what in in a beneficial way for the community and i you know i think it's it's awesome so like there's a there's a bunch of breeders that have continued our lines and i think have accentuated them in many ways have solidified their place in in the industry have um given them new life um have created wealth for them themselves and their family and there's nothing like there's nothing more beautiful than that than that and what's even more awesome is you know being able to represent their work through our network through c bank international through legit genetics um and just seeing it all come full circle collaborating with them i mean like it's actually it's a truly organic network that spawned in many ways like <coughs> over a decade ago when we created our first tester groups and started setting seeds and and these people um these amazing craft growers not just these people i mean that, that sounded degrading are now like leaders in the industry and um throughout the world so it's just it's just incredible to be able to work with amazing some of the best growers ever um it's inspired me in many ways and i'm just like i'm just honored to be a part of the the history or just to even be able to be here yeah, so thank you for having me. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, it's been an honor having you here, too. We've had a delightful conversation, frankly. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's rare, honestly, to be able to have a this kind of long, extended, free-form of a conversation. We had a really lovely conversation with Romulan. I think he wants to come on here again. And the only complaint was that his uh, girlfriend, I guess, was yelling at him from the other room. And it was just otherwise. It's basically a nice chat among friends, kind of. It seems a bit rare. I mean, it, it shouldn't be rare, but it has been rare, at least for some of us, I think, to have these kinds of conversations. So anyway, we're, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think a, a lot of people are, well, people have been saying that they've, uh, excellent conversation from Stephen Tracy uh, Vance. Cheers, Stephen Tracy Vance. Um, I'm sure people have been enjoying this. And by the way, again, it's quite late for you. So if you are sleepy, it is very, you're, or if you have to go or take care of the gardener or whatever else, uh, you're more than welcome to. But of course, you're more than welcome to hang because we are uh, uh, very much enjoying the conversation. Uh, uh, your call, either way. What are you doing there, yeah, Charlie's Farm? Pardon? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Zach. No, I, says, I, I said I'll hang in. I'll hang for maybe like another half an hour or so yes. but when i looked up at the time it said it's uh march 1st 1 11 a.m so it's kind of cool like <laughs> right on but anyway yeah, we're still from, we're talking to you from the past it's february 28th here yeah, this right. year so far has flown by like crazy it's freaking ridiculous cheers grokoski good to see you buddy he's over there in uh far east for us of massachusetts yeah, right down the road for me. That's it. No, I hope you come back, Fang. I mean, a great conversation. Yeah. I, I dig your freaking philosophy. Um, don't say that about a lot of people. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think you're on the same page with us, with me anyway. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah. 
there's a, there's quite there's quite a few. I guess I'll I'll actually rephrase what I was about to say. There are actually quite a few breeders that I quite enjoy their perspectives. It's quite interesting to hear them talk and so on. But there are a few breeders that I'm not really that nuts about. I don't think that I would really enjoy hearing for three or four hours. You know, for an hour or two, I'm good. But you know, for three or four hours, it's it's like no, no, I don't think so. But you know, there's an exception sometimes. Romulan and you, there's some some real people that are quite interesting to talk to. So that's been fun. Uh, by the way, uh, we don't have to be selfish. Uh, D or Flora, do you guys have any other questions? Or Captain420, do you guys have any questions? And also, by the way, chat, uh, if you have questions for the guest, uh, please, uh, Mr. Scott, I was saying Michael Fang's a cool dude. Uh, uh, he said, uh, watch him with Cousin Nikolai sometimes. Good show. Cheers, uh, Mr. Scott. Uh, folks, if you have questions for Fang, please tag me in the chat. Or, of course, I guess you could tag him. I don't know if he's in the chat right now. But definitely tag me at Fumidor or whatever the fuck the chat says. Uh, and then I'll be here. To, you could also tag D. That'll help, too. Oh. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, D, I was just saying, do you have any questions? No, actually, I'm... I'm good. Right on. Sounds like he's also high. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm just cleaning my first bowl of the day. I was going to start lugging more soil because I got, you know, you don't need soil yesterday, but... Uh, Flora, your, your audio is a little bit rough. We gotta, uh, unfortunately, anytime we talk over you, we crush your audio somehow. So go for it, bud. Do you have any upcoming releases here in early 2023? You roll another one. Yeah, like one of the um, special strains that one like that's unique in this current offering is what I call the Emerald. And the emerald is really a homage to the emerald triangle, which is where like a lot of this fucking legit shit really comes from, right? Like historically, yeah. like it's actually what it is, is triangle BX3. But like what's crazy is after talking to origins and like learning about the origins of the TK is discovering that the mother and a lot of this stock actually comes comes from the emerald triangle and like that's what you know wait so the triangle and triangle kush really is a homage to the emerald triangle and so like i was like what a great way to kind of pay tribute to where all, a lot of this like amazing breeding originated um and not to say that it didn't happen in other parts of the world and in other parts other states but you know i i spent a lot of time there and i like a lot of my people are there and i've gotten a lot of great genetics out of norcal so yeah the triangle kush bx3 i'll cross to the cherry pie kush grateful breath which is ogkb joseph underdog is essentially um call, is called emerald and that's one of my like top prizes um it's bred with the bx2 right was called gas and it was phenomenal. Like people write to me about it all the time. Mm. It replaces people's OG cushions. Mm. It is like, you know, something that people will co keep coming back for. And so that's what we're breeding is like next generation OG. So, yeah. That's what what are, by about. the way, you were talking about it a bit on Flora's, but for anyone that didn't catch it, uh, what are your favorite uh, uh, terpene profiles? What are your favorite uh, aromas and flavors and highs? So like definitely like the gas side of life is like where I, where I, my roots and to me like, um, 
is to me it's the backbone of good weed like if there isn't a good gas that complements um any other terp variety like it's not complete in my opinion i mean i i could and that could just be like my upbringing but um i'm all for fruity flavors I mean, it tastes uh, like I was they have uh, how about so we were talking about this before. I mean, uh, you know, if, if to, it's different strokes for different folks. And I've certainly been known for more sort of. Uh, 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 I mean, I talk about it too much as if it's just strawberry. This is kind of an annoying thing because people probably think it's just strawberry, like a tangy or something is just strawberry. But anyway, that's just me talking. Uh, how do I say? Uh, definitely my stuff has been known more for the kind of Jack Harrer style. And Jack Hare, you could say it's fuely in the sense of the turpine or terpinoline, I guess, the sort of turpentine. But most people, I think, would not qualify that. They would say that's more of the sort of Hayes family, basically, that I would not say really has any kind of fuel to it. But I would say that sort of a Hayes style of weed, personally, I'd, I'd say that that's still really good weed. Some people, of course, would disagree, right? To do different strokes for different folks. What What's your stand on that basically let's say for example the more yeah i guess that i mean uh, uh ties and stuff like that they do have the like i said kind of turpentine whatever but they don't necessarily have that kind of gasoline um i'm still not being very clear with my question oh i mean there's a there's a whole world of sativa and land race and and like narrow leaf cultivars that are a different flavor profile and need to be but explored you're not into and it, basically no, I'm totally into it. Like I've, I'm all for, I, I think that it's really incredibly fun to see what, you know, what happens when you cross Indica with Sativa. Hmm. Like a lot of the best hybrids are made by crossing two polar opposites. Uh, that's like um, one way of revitalizing um, a tired and bread line. Hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm all about it like um but to me like like i said like if it's to me it would always be better if it had had a like a og backbone to it like it just hits the spot i i love all the terps but i i um to me like i always go back to like um wanting that wanting that gas that's fair like it's not like i come from like world where like if it wasn't gas like people just didn't want it you know and um i think that that philosophy is like played into everything that i that i do but i i think that that's also what this what the culture um and community desires but it's that. also a weirdly new part of the culture too that's something that kind of annoys me and as kind of a fan of i mean honestly i like all weed so i, I probably shit on some of these strains too much except for mac one i kind of shit on it the deserving amount but basically that's a joke i guess but anyway how do i say it uh d is nodding he's like no i love mac one anyway uh, what am i trying to say here uh i'm fucking babbling oh i was trying to say that the whole gas craze is fairly new and it basically comes with the basically indoor indica craze kind of when the perps came and the og and stuff like that and that's like the last i mean granted it is the last maybe 25 years but it's still only like the last 25 years and not the last 
50 years, right? Like before that, honestly, it was all pretty much sativas. It was all basically uh, uh, Mexican, Oaxacan, uh, pine. Like when I when I smoke the, the, the spray tan, it's so old school to me because it tastes like that, like pine, honestly. Uh, how do I say? Uh, yeah, the hazy kind of stuff, right? And so that, for a lot of people, for old timers, for example, uh, uh, that basically is the profile that they're really more into as opposed to the gas. So I'm, I'm talking out loud a little bit because nobody really ever knows where the trends are going, but I'm just kind of, I am a little bit talking out loud. It's kind of interesting well, that like, the gas thing is sort of a trend in a, in a sense. Yeah, I think gas is a is a perfect combination of indica and sativa. I don't think that you can really say that it doesn't have like lemon tie and it doesn't have other, you know, ducks for a character. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a lot more than just like a thing, you know, but like also some people may have been born around tropical environments or, or where that was a lot of imported stuff, but it's like, it's, but don't forget that like, there's tons, like the whole hashish trade, and all the smugglers of hashish and all the bomb weed from the Hindu Kush and Afghanistan, Paki regions are bomb indicas that are fuelly based. You know, I mean, they're fuel that are fuel and gas esque. You know, and like um, we just happen to curate the best combination of all of it. And even I suppose you could arguably say that the Lebanese are sort of in that same wheelhouse too, right? They would probably more qualify as like a sativa, but they're more like earthy, fuely still too, right? Kind of that in that same wheelhouse, I guess, is like the Pakistani and Hindu uh, uh, plants. Sorry to interrupt you, but uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, so I think that like, I, um, there's definitely, it's going to continue to grow. The palette is, my palette continues to develop. I love, um, all the varieties to me. It's, um, it's like, is it, does the, does it induce trance? Does it put me in a state of like flow and, and relaxation and meditation? Like, and to me, there's, there's a, a lot of cannabis does that, but it has to be the strongest cannabis. And that's usually like my criteria um, for something, you know, what I prefer. Uh, sorry, in the chat, they're talking about uh, Jack Hare. Red Pill's talking about Genius was a Jack Hare. I like the skunk scene. too, man. I like skunk and gas mix. That's, That's one, one that everybody's favorites. Charlie's from. That's one that everyone is always talking about. Skunk this, skunk that. Fang, are you obsessed with yeah. skunk like uh, three quarters of the breeders it's out there? It brings me back to the 70s, man. Wicked when I was a kid. I'm all, I'm all for it, man. Like, I love it. Um, I love returning to the classics. I think they're popular for a reason. Um, I, I think that every genetic out there needs should ought, ought to be preserved and, and grown to its full potential so that people have that, you know, ability to select from all these different varieties that we talk about. Like, I think it's important. Um, but yeah, like get, uh, skunk, chem, diesel, like original diesel. Um, to me, like that's some of the best weed ever what's your uh, uh how did i ask this uh what's your desert island varietal let's say we were to give you uh either one uh, uh one clone or one pack of, of seeds either way 
you can pick one, I guess. Uh, which, what would it be? Uh, first of all, what, what varietal, what strain, what, whatever, and would it be a clone or a seed? You're talking to somebody that has like the hardest time, like choosing. Even better, even better. It's like Sophie's Choice. Then you have to pick one that you can't possibly pick, right? You're like, oh, it could be this, but it could be that, but it could be this. I'm just going through my library right now, and it's like, it. Uh, shoot, that's a hard one, man. Like I. Probably an OG or a chem dog. Hmm. And why is that? Just because it's something that I can always definitely return to. Always hits the spot. Um, everything else is just like, it's just a nice experience, you know? But like, yeah. OG, OG and Cam are where it's at for me. I'm still laughing about this. I think Mr. Toad was the last breeder interview that we did because I think after that we had Wendy and James from that organic conference that, that uh, we were talking about. And Mr. Toad had probably the funniest answer. He said, uh, give me a male plant and I'm going to basically feminize it with coconuts. He's going to get coconuts, he's going to ripen them, and he's going to use the ethylene from the coconuts to ripen the male or to basically induce the male to uh, create a feminized male and basically create seeds from that one male plant and create a new line on his new island and basically become like Highlander. Well, he didn't in introduce that part, but that now I'm basically running with it. I'm like, it's going to be one strain to rule them all. That was hilarious. It was fucking funny. Oh, yeah, that's the ultimate answer. That's awesome. He's the man. Right? Was that good? Yeah, I think I've always dreamed of going to different parts of the world. I mean, in maybe in controlled manners and places where we wouldn't be polluting the the diversity, local diversity there, but like basically re inhabiting um regions where like cannabis has maybe been re removed from the environment and creating and testing and and basically restocking the land with like in not restocking i guess that's a weird word i'm more like creating our own land races in micro climates and micro environments that are adapted to the land and super super healthy super super vibrant um you know as, as nature as farmers you you know used to do it a few friends I, of mine have I, I have a perfect these. place i have a perfect place for you here northern thailand because in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s the government came up here and eradicated a lot of the things that were here and a lot of things that are here have been cross-pollinated for the past 40 some years so more welcome to come to Thailand. It would be the such an honor. Wonderful food. Can you imagine? I've been to Thailand once mm -hmm. and it's um, what a beautiful tropical paradise. I'm going to fume me. I like the food. Hey, cheers, Koski. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, cheers, buddy. Uh, oh, I almost came up with a funny pun. I'm going to save it for next time when I when I have it like more polished. Uh, Kazuki, do you have any questions for uh, Fang here? We've had some nope, really been, interesting conversation uh, with him. 
Go ahead. Been watching for a little while, and I think it's uh, it's been a it's been a great episode, man. Yeah, dude, you speak very very well, and um, yeah, it's been a good. It's been. I have no questions at all. Awesome. And I'm especially happy that he agrees with us because uh, that makes us super right that organic is better. uh, Because uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. But uh, (laughs) do you think that there's fuck you, man? Sorry. Organic for life. And if you guys aren't following, like, um, at the organic cup or theorganiccup.org is where we're kind of posting about the Barcelona and we're going to be taking it to LA and all across the, you know, we're thinking about Thailand and Greece and a few other destinations, but, but essentially like this up, whole upcoming week, we're going to be doing going live and doing video content about like our tour through Spain. So that'll be really cool. Like definitely tune in, but yeah, or I am everything I touch as much as I can consume is organic. It's changed my life. It's re- paired a lot of the ailments in my in my you know that I had growing up and so I'm a firm believer that this is the way to go in gardening and in health and living awesome way of thinking for sure bro um I do have one question have you ever done synthetic or anything like that or any kind of other growing besides organic yeah sure I've um house and gardens canna um cutting edge a lot of these um, brands I've I've ran, I've ran all those myself. Yep, good. Yeah, for sure. Before, like, kind of really just um, discovering, you know, or realizing like that wasn't really the kind of cannabis I wanted to grow, and that there was significant um, differences, in my opinion, between organically grown and synthetically grown, to where like I would never really go back. Um, and that's pretty much all I smoke is organic. Right. I mean, what, so what were was one of the differences? Because differences. we talk about yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Koski. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I definitely want to know those differences because I'm a synthetic grower. I, I use um, fucking, you know, I, I've been using synthetics in many different companies for many different years. And I've, I've, I've noticed that, like, I haven't, um, I probably haven't touched upon organics enough times to really realize, you know, maybe the differences or see the similarities or even differences or whatever. First two, Koski, have you ever really noticed that big of a difference in the synthetic lines? Not really, man. As long as you um you flush them correctly and you know stuff like that, you know people have the differences about flushing and different things like that. But I feel as if if you're putting any kind of, you know, um, like synthetic nutrient in that, you, you definitely want to just feed it water for you know, the last couple of weeks or whatever else. So you, you want to get that stuff out of there, but the same thing with organics. I mean, it's, it's like the, the life cycle I think is, is, is very, obviously it's, it's very, very similar because it's the same, but you're just feeding it different stuff. So it's like, you can feed other things in organics. You probably couldn't feed up into the point of synthetics or whatever else, or vice versa. You know what I mean? Certain things like that, that won't alter the taste. And, uh, but I haven't really seen a huge difference where I, I've been able to like, you know, wow i have to you know quit doing what i'm doing because i think a lot of times people start with their first organic grow and they do their first organic grow versus their 20th synthetic grow as a test because every time i've had a friend that's done this it's pretty much been this they've been doing synthetics for five years and they're like all right fumi i'll try your organic growing and they basically kind of half-heartedly i hate to say it i mean you know they, they put their whole heart and soul into it but you know how good are you really the first time you do something they basically right. throw the organic pot together and here's the other kicker first of all they're not an expert at it you know Never. it wouldn't be their nope. first time if they were an expert but second of all uh organic pots get much better with time 
And basically, I've said this before, I'm like, fuck, you threw away that perfectly good pot. Like, the second grow is when it starts to become really a good organic grow. And that first one was when you were chasing freaking, you know, uh, 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 deficiencies and this and that and blah 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 right. having problems watering whatever but as soon as that thing is actually like basically a, a self-perpetuating oh, well, oh, dead engine yeah. fuck off yeah. you, ba- you barely have to do anything it's so hands off and everything else yeah. it's a whole different world you'll never get the secondary metabolites in yeah. a synthetic grow no, they will probably, never you know, get you, it you, know, you probably won't but at the same time I, I do feel as if my product can be just as just as good if if not the same if not better in some cases then, you know, doing certain things. I mean, like, there wouldn't be so many people out there, in a, you know, using synthetics as far as, like, you know, um, they're not using all organics, you know, in in dispensaries and shit like that. And big, well, I mean, in my opinion, they're doing a lot of people for are, the bottom but... dollar, basically. They're doing it for the most cost-effective reason. It's also why almost all it... the strains are harvested early. If, if we're honest, most of these strains, GMO, I mean, GMO was in every fucking dispensary. Most of the, there are some shorter flowering cuts of GMO, but for the most part, GMO is one of those 11, 12-week strains, right? Like, by the way, anyone who's scared right. of my strains, GMO takes longer than that usually to flower. Uh, how do I say it? Uh, but still, they had GMO in the store. Well, guess what? It wasn't super flavorful a lot of the time when you would try it, right? Because they didn't basically take it to fucking 11 weeks because the, the, the guy that runs the, the grow is just like, right. oh, fuck that. It's seven and a half weeks. We're done. Now, is somebody doing organic and or, or synthetic in that same exact realm and pulling it too early is going to be the same effect? You know what I mean? So realistically, I mean, I hate that's to not say really it. You're not probably too wrong. Yeah, honestly. You know, I mean, if it was 11 weeks and I pulled it, you know, in synthetics and I fucking ran it in organics and I, you know, 11, 12 weeks, that's now a great comparison. But if I fucking pull it early, you kind of, you know, you're diminishing your terpenes and your whole, your whole, you know, you, you could have did more with, with with that strain. You know what I mean? Back in the late 70s and 80s, you could not get bottled nutrients. You'd get miracle Grow, if anything. You'd yeah. get some fert sticks, they would call the old fertilizer sticks that were time Yeah, Osmocote, fucking you couldn't fertile, get any. Yeah, time, yeah. time, I mean, time shit. Yeah, I don't like that stuff. Yeah, Sally, you know, and, you, you, Sally, know. Sally, you know, you know, how I feel about that shit. Oh, I don't yeah, want that yeah. at Home Depot. Fucking keep that shit out of my fucking. Bed. Yeah, but I mean, that's what that's what you did. You know, we were kids. We didn't. know. You, you are true. You are you are one hundred percent right. And um, but you know what? General hydroponics has been around since like what nineteen fucking eighty seventy. What hydro? What General Hydro? Yeah, seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah, and they've 76. been doing a lot of great things since then. Yeah, but you couldn't get that shit then. You couldn't get it around here anyway. All right, so let me ask. We go to hey. another extreme. Let me ask Flora. Dynagrow. You can get some Dynagrow. You go to the floor. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, fuck. What the fuck was it now? Fuck. No, you don't even know. You probably call it dope. No, I had this yeah. question for him. I wanted to know. Um, it was about weed. I wanted right. to know about the sweetheart. Like, is the sweetheart still around? Is that is that uh, also bred into stuff as well? yeah so the high school sweetheart is one of those strains that's like pretty much in everything we do as well like the new gas the new emerald everything is kind of like based on that cherry pie kush backbone which is the high school sweetheart cross Um, i love that cross by itself right there cherry cherry, dude yeah cherry pie kush yeah all day yeah i appreciate that man and like i you know i would love to share seeds with everybody on this panel um like I would be an honor, you know, to to share some of my new. I I um give freely, you know, and I love to share. Um, I, but in terms of like uh synthetic, and I think that like 
man-made synthetic nutrients or or just like um salts let's just say it's, it doesn't have to yes. be called salts yep bad man you know like it's I'll like be, i won't be offended it's okay yeah minerals it's but it's like i personally think that it's missing just like it's like it, it grows great ornamental you know and it's like it's almost like i don't want to degrade it by saying like a roided bodybuilder but it's like it looks good from the outside but it like function wise and like iq i, oh, I don't want to say that either like but, yeah, like, but you're, not, you're not far off though because no no you, you're not far off studies, you're exactly right yeah. studies on fruit like fruits and vegetables right and you have fruits and vegetables nutrient like a, like an orange like an orange right yeah and the nutri nutrient density yeah, out of a sense, brick yeah. scale yeah. your brick scale everything right. very very good the flavor yeah, very noise, good. everything yep. Right. And traditional synthetic farming was based on like using pharmaceutical antifungals and um, insecticides that were to completely toxic and also like turn off the pigs. <laughs> Until recently, they thought fungi were more bad for the soil. Oh, it's so good for the soil, dude. <laughs> I have my wife growing organically stuff right now. Like all the vegetables that we grow up, you know, with, with my kids and stuff like that. And all the little things we pop, like, you know, the uh, cherry tomatoes and the fucking jalapenos and all little little things like that. We're, we're growing organically, and I actually have lactobacillus going right now. Same thing. You're making a jar of that shit. I'm like... I'm trying to go all organic with her. And she has a, a thing of soil that she put into um, a tote and it's growing mycelium all over it. Cause I put a bunch of fucking diatomaceous earth in there. I put a bunch of other shit in there. I'm like, I fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Mike goes, I just wanted to grow a fucking soil web. I want it to be nice and, you know, heavy and, and, and abundant, but that, that's my vegetables. Um, Kashi needs some grow Kashi. So you can yeah. experience that's true. This whole well. time, Chiba Man was like, Fuck, you never got actually, you never allowed the actual guest to tell us. He's actually coming on the show to tell us this. He says, You never got to Fang's differences between organics and synthetics. It's actually true. We didn't, we could have closed. You know, I, you know, I helped, <laughs> I, I own a percentage or I own equity in the company Grokashi. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, uh, shit. There you go. There you go, bro. You guys, co founder, bro. Him and Alan. Well, I never got paid, for so I'm not. I, it leaves it's a little bit of a salty. Um, <laughs> it's theory. always like that, it's bro. Theory. This whole fucking industry is. Oh, fucking that's looking salty. nice, Chuba man. Right. What's well, up, just guys? buy some Bokashi and some EM1. You'll have the same result. Exactly right. For sure. Yeah. I've create. I create my own Bokashi with my um, stems and leaves. Nice. There's my sound. Just had to come on. I had to say what an informative show. I'm so glad I, I, I recorded this episode. Nice man. man. Cheers, dude. Yeah, well, it is on YouTube. It's, it's gonna Fuck be. Fuck yeah, bro. It's gonna be on repeat. Yeah. Beautiful plant. Oh, thank you guys. I wanted to come and show you guys where I'm at. You know, uh, I'm fighting this, get keeping this here because I just took my humidifier out of here first day of flower, and I'm doing doing okay. I mean, I got I got multiple things. But I got a a DWC going. That's fun. I got hempy buckets going. I got like nice. Those are perfect looking plants. Yeah, they don't, they don't look that bad at all, but nice color thanks, to them. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I, am, Jeez, I do need some count. So I just ordered and whatnot. But I just wanted to come on and just say, what a show. What a fucking right. show. Right. I agree. I agree with this guy, bro. Fucking 100%. What a show. Oh, my God, man. I'm just learning so much. I, 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 in other words, I'm going to stop talking because I can't even act. So. 
Let me just show you guys what I Come on and show you what I had and just say, bang, I'm I'm definitely gonna get in touch and get some of your stuff. And I've been I put in in chat, you know, as much contact information I can find for you. But yo, I'm all about you, man. I'm learning a lot. Thanks, guy. Loving it. Loving it. Nice you think? Yeah, bro. Fuck yeah. Is it true that? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Floyd. Okay. Oh, I was honestly, uh, I can I can wait on this question, but I'll just freaking put it out there so that Fang, if he wants to later or not, he can he can answer it. The thought is basically that the energy that you put out into the world is the energy that you receive in the world. I'm curious what your what your thoughts on that are. But go ahead, Florent. Yeah, and I was wondering about an older strain, a uh, sophisticated lady. Did you tell me anything about that, and if uh, if that was ever going to be reworked or a lot that actually the seeds we didn't make too many of those and it was a limited run and they were taken during the raid so i personally don't have access to those seeds no they took seeds during the fucking raid they went to that extreme coffee chill took almost everything i was, I mean, I was just asking bro I was, fuck like yeah they took our whole seed bank um, they took all their seeds mixed them together it was fucked up yeah fuck? Uh, it was a, it was like you know a decade or so worth of archives and like we maybe not that long at that point but like basically we we had accumulated every drop we had ever made you know was is gone um but since 2017 we've really kind of been able to get a lot of the stock back i most likely could get the sophisticated lady back from the community you know but like i say like i don't really go out and look for things they kind of they usually come back to me if it's meant to be i guess you could say but yeah sophisticated lady is ghost og crossed with grateful breath grateful breath is ogkb um joseph og which is also a part of high school sweetheart which is also part of a lot of the things yeah it was a collaboration with nocal one of the first ogkb crosses that was ever made that's um yeah, and so, so the sophisticated lady was, you know, really made famous by Gromer, who grew an incredible pheno of it, and then like continued it with the Sophie's breath Sophie's and breath. unicorn poop, and wow. you know, it's a beautiful line that um, yeah. incredible, den- incredibly dense, calyxed out, noted out, beautiful foxtails, you know, like everything you could really ask for from a bud um and uh yeah that's kind of the those are the kind of genetics that i'm reading is like kush they like supercharged turbocharged like superhero og you know what i mean and that's yeah 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 do you have a uh this is a question i try to sneak in there but it's awkward honestly do you have a plan like, do you have a, a goal, let's say, or a set of goals, because you never really have one goal, but do you have, like, a direction that you're headed in? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, the goal is really to create that regenerative experience and to make it a reality in a in a fully licensed format um, and to be basically offer people a regenerative alternative to all the trash that's on the market and um, to also offer people um what i call a luxury luxury perspective um that i don't think exists in cannabis um that 
I think like we talked, started the conversation with belief, um, artists and people who've really sacrificed everything for the cannabis plant, I think deserve to be able to, you know, make a living off of it and bringing back the craft and boutique um, is kind of like part of my goal. I mean, what do people get for, how do I say this? Uh, uh, I've talked to aficionado who would be a great guest on the show now, I realize. Uh, but I'll, I'll have to, I, you just have to email these people, right? It takes time. Anyway, uh, what was I going to say? He's been probably the one person that I've met anyway that has been the most uh, uh, loud about basically creating an upmarket experience. He's sort of really unabashedly upmarket, right? Like he he talks about himself in terms of, I don't remember. I, I haven't talked to him for a few years, but I talked to him at the show. I, I don't know him personally, really. But basically at the shows and stuff, he'll tell you like, oh, he's like the, uh, the I don't even remember which brands he was saying. Um, Patek yeah, Philippe I mean, or whatever. It doesn't fucking matter right now. Rolex, whatever. Just imagine a fancy brand for the moment. And he basically is comparing himself to those. Does he have to? No. But basically that's the mindscape or whatever that he's in when he's basically selecting these things. And he calls his his cuts champagne this and Ferrari that and blah, blah, blah. And wouldn't you know it, the cuts are fucking fire and the seeds are fire and stuff. So how do I say this? I'm, ba I'm babbling in circles. But what sets apart those luxurious strains do you think as opposed to because i think that's probably what my audience is going to ask what's the difference between good cannabis really good cannabis luxurious cannabis is there a difference is there some is it mercedes versus toyota is it what is it exactly it's mercedes versus toyota okay i mean there's difference then they'll argue okay the toyota is reliable all day every day i mean mercedes is pretty reliable too but how do i say this uh They'll say the Mercedes costs. Uh, well, I don't know what's what's the what's the counterpoint. I don't know. A Mercedes costs five hundred oh, bucks to oil change. A whole lot more, you don't bro. oil change your, your cannabis necessarily. You probably shouldn't be oil changing it. Does it cost more to oil? There's, I don't know. I'm I think, goofing off. Yeah, I wouldn't. There's a. They're called market segments, and there's offerings for every type of person. So your Toyota person is not your Mercedes person, but your Mercedes and and not to say that you can't cross and be both but for the most part the industry is divided between your economy class and your you know luxury first class kind of like that's a niche you know only a small percentage of people when they're doing well when their company is doing well maybe when they win the lottery or whatever they like to to experience things that cost a little bit more there's a time and a place for everything um i love leo um he i and i met him back in like uh 2010 or 2011 and when i met him they were just they just won the emerald cup or were just about to win the emerald cup for the first time for the chem dog special reserve and him and shiloh were still together as a Bye, yeah. and um he came up to me and i had no idea who he was and he he said um i want to introduce myself my name's you know leo from aficionado he's like you guys are like the first luxury cannabis company like in cannabis and he now says that he's the first mm -hmm. but i don't know if he remembers saying that but that's historically how we've defined ourselves is essentially when you do your best and you put everything into what you do you deserve to 
um, be able to sell to people that are also successful and who have accomplished things in life and um, are willing to pay higher Does prices. that make you, a lot of times people will respond immediately. Does that make you elitist in some way? Or is that even a bad thing? Is that a bad or a good thing? I mean, like, itself? I think that in life, dude, like there's all, in, in it's like, there's got to be an incentive for, for doing well in life. You know, like when I, when I, um, when my company is successful, like I like to, to experience nice things. Like when I'm, when things are tight, like I will eat rice and beans, just like every fucking buddy else. Like, but it's, I like the, Maybe it's being rewarded. Like the fucking Costa be rewarded. And rice and beans with the, oh, fuck, what's the third thing they put in there? Oh, shit on a brick. I can't think of it. Anyway, super good. Back to you. But we usually yeah, talk and about so the munchies on the show. Sorry. To, to me, there's anything. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> I, I could definitely take, take a snack. But yeah, like if there's anything to work for, it's to be the very best at what you do. And luxury uh, is not easy. People think like, oh, you're greedy for trying to like charge a higher price or whatever. And essentially like, I don't think it is. I think it's about wanting to compete at the highest levels. Um, not only is it more difficult every time you raise your price, you, you'll, if you understand the supply curve, like less people can afford it and less people um, are gonna be buying it. And so then there's, uh, so it's actually more difficult. And I've sold seeds at $40, $70, 150, 250, 400, 700, 1,000, 11,000. It's just, I love it, you know, to like just mm -hmm. experience um, the possibilities and to push the boundaries. Like someone has to do it. Right? What sets it, the $11,000 seeds apart from the $40 seeds? The $11,000 seeds was a one of one and attached to an NFT, one of the, and most likely, I think the first NFT associated with any cannabis product. Um, it was uh, like, I think a collector item. It's definitely a collector item. It's, you you know, the purchaser is literally the only person in the world that could ever grow that strain. You could, you could easily capitalize on it with just a few lights. Um, so yeah, that's, that's essentially what makes that unique. Whereas like a $40 strain, you're most likely a hundred other people are going to be growing it. Is that? Yeah. It makes it, makes it unique, original, and say, genuine. Yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. I mean, some people the are word, into that, right? They, I was, was going to say genuine, yeah. bro. Genuine, exactly. Genuine. Like that, that, that well, one I would of, hope one that off everything that he makes is genuine. So I was going to say that. No, right, but, like, but, 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 but I mean like one off compared to like a hundred other people growing some shit. That yeah, makes it that's, unique. He's very, unique. very unique. Very unique. Yeah, right? it's like if you ask like Ralph Lauren to like make you a jacket and he like custom cut it with his own hands. Right. Like, it's a hundred percent way more money worth. Fucking you know what I mean? It's 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 a better quality in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. So like the celebs do. Collect you know what I mean? Collect item, bro. 
Right. Yep. And it becomes so a controversial that, thing, right? Because, for example, there's yeah. a, a camera, you know, people on the show probably know that I'm super into photography, right? And there's a couple camera companies that are quite luxurious brands, right? The most famous are Leica and Hasselblad. Hasselblad doesn't catch nearly as much shit because I think they've been such a professional company for so many years with the medium format, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, but Leica definitely is this camera company that's caught a lot of shit for uh, catering pretty much to doctors, dentists, lawyers, stuff like that, who are more camera collectors, right? Uh, where am I fucking going to with this? That basically a lot of times people will debate, oh, is Leica for real photographers or is Leica a real photography company or blah, blah, blah. Or people will basically just talk shit about Leica cameras, lenses and so on because they're horrifically expensive. Uh, this, the, a comparable setup from a Leica that actually has not nearly as many features as my Canon is like four times as much money, basically, literally four times as much money for not a zoom lens, but a fixed lens uh, for not, you know, like a, a high speed, you know, auto, no autofocus, manual focus, da, 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 da. But people who so want that basically camera, not, they... Not, not a mainstream company. It's not, I mean, not really a mainstream like, company at all. It's basically right. a luxury company. Absolutely. Right. Uh, and yeah. they're basically known for that, right? And they catch a tremendous amount of hate for it. They, of course, also have a Why, fanatically Why? loyal audience as well because people oh i will only have the best right it's made in germany blah 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 <laughs> only some have people the best, are super right? into that <laughs> well you know of course you know people will respond you know there's always devil's advocates stuff that's made in japan is usually made to the same quality as stuff that's made in germany and there's absolute truth to that so my canon i could hammer things into walls with my canon could do that with a Leica, basically. You you can't go outdoors with a Leica, uh -huh. and you can't get rained on because it's not weather sealed. You Canon, don't you do could walk, you can pretty much dive into the water for a little bit. You got to get out real quick, but you could probably do it, uh, and you could basically survive. The Leica, you're fucked, basically. But guess what? There's some, some certain things about the Leica experience that people are like, I will pay fifteen twenty thousand dollars for this. Of course, yeah, yeah, uh, twenty thousand dollars. Now I have a, a, a Russian oligarch's accent. Great accent. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. You have to have that money. He's like, that, that oh, for that money. Oh, but how do I say this? Get uh, doing chopper. You know, it's a, a, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, exactly. I think it's all oh. the accents at once. I don't know where I'm going with this, right? Because I have a lifelong obsession, kind of uh, weirdly enough, with Leica. But it's always been too expensive. I've never actually bought one. But I've always been a big fan of you know the people who shot like Cartier-Bresson. And uh, uh, I have a book right here uh, next to my desk. You guys can see it. Jean-Luc Sif. He was a famous Leica shooter. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> There's this specific kind of look to Leica shot. But fucking Leica, especially now. Oh my fuck! I would have to pay like thirteen thousand dollars for a camera and one lens. Shut the fuck up, right? It's just ridiculous. But how do I say it? Uh, there are people who have that money and they would happily pay it. And if I had the money, if I had millions of dollars in my bank account, just shut fuck the fuck yeah, up. Babe, I have three of yeah. them, basically. To, as yeah, I have two to the side. Straight up. If money's no object, then basically it becomes a different issue and you only buy the best, right? But how do I say it? For most of us, money's an object. That becomes uh, basically it, its own kind of it thing, right? And it becomes an it, envious kind of thing and everything. Yeah, I mean, people want to have the nicest car and everything, and they don't want to feel that they lose social status by not having the nicest car or whatever. So that always comes up when something really expensive comes along. Leo catches shit. Aficionado always catches shit for being expensive and whatever. And, of course, they have a track record of amazing strains. Another uh -huh. breeder whose stuff is in a lot of other breeders' work. Speaking of Family Tree and all those guys, they have the Ferrari and the Testarossa and all that. That kind of stuff in their work, right? That all comes from, I think, uh, aficionado's work. I'm digressing. 
but where am I going to? I'm just kind of thinking out loud, to be honest, about the whole luxury cannabis aspect. I mean, when we talk about craft cannabis, I don't know that craft cannabis is the realistic answer. I think probably luxury cannabis oh. is probably the more realistic. And that almost makes me fucking want to take it back because I don't want to cater to Elon Musk. You know, like that kind of offends me. I don't want to basically be growing for Jeff mm -hmm. Bezos or Elon Musk, but I do mm -hmm. want to be growing for... Uh, or in this case, breeding for really discriminating palates. So I'm of two minds on this. But the thing is with this discriminating yeah. palates, are they going to yep. pay enough in the future to sustain these kind of micro-businesses or whatever it is that we have to do to survive? I don't know. Like I said, every time I do a seed run, even on a small scale, it costs me $500, right? If I were to do a much bigger seed run, and I've believe me, I've thought about doing much bigger seed runs, it would just cost me more money. And so I haven't done I bigger seed runs because yeah. it would cost yeah. me more fucking money, right? So how do I say it? And a lot of times the seed runs become things for me or things for testers or whatever. So it's like not all of that cost can I spread onto other people. A lot of times that's something for no. me to research. It's so all, it? all derived yeah. towards – it's all derived towards fucking your uh, your benefit. But at the same time, all the people's benefit before yours a little bit. I think so. I think we're both high also. Yeah. Hopefully I'm yeah. making like, some sense. I think that a lot of us are, you know, a lot of people are used to or maybe like have experiences where they paid a lot for for little. And that's like um, not, you know, what I'm about. So it's like essentially, yeah, there there are a lot of companies that under deliver and overcharge. And um, to me, like, that's not that's not what designer or GGG does. Right. Like we've proven that everything we make has the potential to create entire um to, to to create legacy right and to create brands and whole lineups and shit yeah yeah and so like i think and we continue to accentuate and to over deliver and i think that by being ahead of the industry and by creating and teaching and and introducing new ideas that we are continuing to essentially prove that like there's a reason why ggg is relevant right like we, what is that reason how do you guys stay ahead um just by never losing the love for the plant you know always learning because i mean there's nothing really new under the sun but by being a constant observer there's things that i knew 10 years ago that i don't that i forget that i are am i that I'm being reintroduced to and just constantly like seeing the magic, seeing the the psychedelia behind it all, you know, and the spirit. I think that's what it's all about. So if I think if we continue to pursue that, it's something it's it's very difficult to do. And I think that it's gonna be a constant work in progress, but that like if if that's our goal. Um, there's nothing, like I said, we can't achieve, um, the, the weed is better, you know, the, the product is like the best in the world and we have yet to, well, you know, it, one day we'll be able to show the world what, what we truly do in terms of flower, but, you know, on this genetic side, it's like proven itself and, um, I can price it at whatever I want, but at the end of the day, like, I also do lower, 
price genetics and and give very freely to anyone that needs or um all my friends and family are you know like we we all prosper together like i'm not charging like ten thousand dollars to my friends and my family that is like the danger honestly isn't it uh how do i say it i don't know maybe it's a something you would think about maybe it's not something to think about it's something i would think about basically if i'm ever so lucky to get in the position where i can charge 400 or 500 or whatever eleven thousand dollars for a pack as you as you described before it would start to I don't know, bug me or concern me, or it would be on my mind basically that there are people who can't physically afford this and then that they would uh, uh, feel left out basically. And so I would feel somehow compelled to still make some kind of a cheaper line. I don't know. It's, it's uh, maybe perhaps well, that's think just about me. it. I don't like, know. Not every, that's an awesome way of thinking, bro. I not like everything well, is forever. And it's like, if I make, like if I make a piece of art and it's one of one, and I choose to sell it to one buyer. It's like, it's my freedom to be able to do so and to be able to price it whatever I want. And it's a business investment for the the um, buyer. And at the same time, your 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 time is valuable. Your skills are valuable. Your uh, uh, both sides can be true, right? Both of these things can be yeah, true at the same time. But what, There's a channel that I've been uh, watching recently. Actually, a guy from Portland, not cannabis related but he does uh something that i probably don't really approve of which is epoxy tables i kind of don't like the idea of epoxy and blah 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 it's toxic and so on and so forth but the tables are gorgeous right and it's just fun to watch him uh, do the work but anyway uh how do i say it uh uh uh, uh, uh he sells his tables for thousands of dollars i mean literally tens of thousands of dollars i don't think the most expensive was even thirty thousand dollars i think he sold one for maybe fifty thousand once now granted they're pretty big tables whenever they're mostly slabs and stuff so just imagine like when it's like a thirty thousand dollar table it would be like you know conference table big probably you know like for eight or ten people whatever and it's like a whole redwood slab that he worked on for a few weeks you know that kind of thing so there's actually a fair amount of work to it and stuff it's not like you just can make them by the freaking dozens or something, right? But how do I say it? That's still a fucking chunk of change, right? Like 50,000 bucks. And so a lot of people, and he talks about it on his show, he's like, hey, you know. Hey, I've been watching people, that guy. Have you been watching that guy? Great channel, honestly. Hey, yeah, hey, really. Or somebody like that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Pardon? yeah. Oh, you cut or off. Or somebody right? like him. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. somebody like him. I can't remember, but I've been totally into it. Yeah. Just watching him with these beautiful pieces of wood that he yeah, yeah. literally Fuck hunched yeah, down. Yeah. Fuck yeah, he, dr- he drives hundreds of miles to get some pieces. Oh, that might be states. a different guy, but this guy, this guy mostly yeah. shops uh, locally, but still, I know what you're talking about. Okay. There's a ton of woodworkers on YouTube. Fucking awesome. Anyway, regardless, uh, the point that I guess I was trying to make is uh, the guy actually addresses it sometimes in the in the chat. He's like, hey, you know, I mean, sometimes I get comments. People are, you know, very unhappy about the fact that this is a $30,000 table, but I mean, I don't know what you want from me, you know, like I spent basically says it quite nicely he says it nicer than i'm saying it right now like i spent several weeks on this that the slab itself was you know eighteen hundred dollars or two thousand four hundred dollars that the epoxy was a thousand dollars and blah blah blah, blah, blah. eight hours the, ten hours the, a the day tools dude. in the yeah, shop I mean, took on. how many years to accumulate right. da, 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 da. 
And sure enough, you know, like your time is valuable. Everybody deserves to make Fuck a yeah, living, dude. basically, right? So if you are good at making fucking tables or if you're good at making seeds or if you're good at cooking food or whatever else, honestly, all of us deserve. This is something we don't talk about enough. All of us deserve enough pay for the skill that we're basically contributing. Our society's kind of messed up with that. You know, we sort of overpay billionaires and we underpay teachers and stuff like that. But how do I say it? The, the, the other thing that a lot of us do is that we have this sort of jealousy or this envious mentality where all of us should honestly, like he was talking about earlier, a rising tide lifts all boats. We should be freaking congratulating Aficionado or Gage Green or anybody else. Holy fuck, you sold $500 packs? Just congratulations, right? Like that should be that we should be congratulating it. On the other hand, it doesn't seem like he's an asshole. Like if somebody can't afford one of those packs, I bet if they've, there's probably some way to get them or something, right? Like how do I say it? I don't know. I'm talking out loud a little bit, but some of the things that yeah. I think about, right? I don't know. Go for it, Fang. No, there's so many ways to like sell with intention, but to give with intention. And I think like people think that it's all about receiving, but you got to give to receive. Just like you said, you got put out. That was the question. Energy. Yeah, that was the question that I asked you earlier. Do you think that that applies to life uh, uh, that you get back, I guess, the energy that you put out, so to speak? Yeah. And also, furthermore, the exchange of wealth and, and monetary value is a direct is is in direct proportion to the amount and value that you bring to your customer or to society like you make as much as the value you add to the world and we're all kind of great like on and fucking life is expensive right and shit's hard so it's like we all deserve to live in abundance and i think that like and I'm not saying that we don't all add value to the world, but it's like, I, I think a lot of us are undervaluing ourselves and then like it's and projecting it on others. You know what I mean? Like we all deserve more. We all deserve the best life. And to me, it's like, it's our job to bring kind of our own heaven to this earth and, and manifest that paradise that we honestly is our birthright you know, and I, I want, I want to see that for everyone. So it's like, it's not like, um, it all has to be with one person. Like everyone can create that abundance for themselves. I think it's just, we're just testing the waters, you know? Great interview. Honestly, we've yeah, to you yeah. super late. You taking off Flora, man, it's late for you, dude. Cheers, dude. Have a good one. Yeah, I've been seeing you again, Faye. Good seeing you. Peace, Flora. Hey, Flora, dude. Have a good night. Hey, dude. Yeah, I'll probably hop out, hop off of here soon. Cheers, dude. Uh, I don't blame you. It's uh, super late for you over there. Uh, it's been a great talk, honestly. Um, In fact, I got a jet now because I got to cook <laughs> food and I got to water bad. these things. Oh, you Sorry, guys. Later, Charlie. I know. I got to get up in the morning. I got all day. Love you guys. Cheers, Be good. Tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow night. Yeah, man. Peace. Hey, Fang, Thanks Charlie. for coming on, man. Seriously, that was a great conversation. You're a good dude, man. Good vibes for sure. Hope yeah, we come back. Conversation going. Um, reach out anytime. Thanks, man. Peace. Good night. Charlie's farm is good people. He's been around. Yeah, I'm usually up at really weird hours. Yeah, man.
I think a lot of us growers are up at strange hours, you know, either by necessity or by choice or whatever yeah. else. Yeah, a lot of us basically just keep the garden at night and then have other stuff to do to, during the daytime. And I don't know, we end up basically becoming friends with the garden sort of more than anything else sometimes. It's kind of a bizarre thing. But uh, I don't know, it's been a super fun chat. Uh, how do I say... Uh, yeah, I don't know. We've asked a ton of questions. I guess there's more questions. And it's, more, it's the nice thing about life. There's always more questions. There's more stuff to talk about. But shoot, I don't know. Do you have questions for us? Yeah. I've been questioning you the whole time. Do you have questions for <laughs> Turnabout? Well, yeah. you know, honestly, like every whenever I like the first thing or what's going through my head is like, how do I work with you guys in the future? Hmm. You know, like I'm always like looking I'm for here. ways and you know make money together you know like do events together um co-market we can talk i used to do a uh tasting group and i've been wanting to do it again but uh, i've been putting it off basically because just doing it by yourself is kind of a chore and that's pretty much what it was it was doing doing by myself as a chore and i already have enough shit to do and it's like fucking ass bag just thought hell but yeah i don't know we'll we'll think about it maybe in the future or I'll think of it. I'm talking out loud. Apparently, I'm higher than I thought I was. By the way, I'm really pissed off. If anybody, anybody knows about Ruby Slippers, I need to look this cut up because now I think that Stevie got this wrong. Fang, my friend Stevie, he's an innocent guy. He's not a bad guy. But my friend that bred this strain of mine that basically I ended up using to create this beautiful flower behind me, that's Morgana. That was uh, Cuvée from Subcool to Ruby Jack from my friend Stevie. Well, so a quarter of that plant was supposed to be Ruby Slippers. And he told me that it was, like I said earlier in the show, Laskin Thunderfuck, Shishkaberry, and NL5 in some order. I don't know which order, honestly. But this randomly i went to get burritos because it was taco tuesday or tacos actually because it was taco tuesday last week and there's a dispensary next door i'm like fuck it i'll stop in a dispensary once every six months so i went in there and basically on the menu they had ruby slippers so i was like the fucking what so i bought it basically and i've never seen ruby slippers back when i used to shop in dispensaries all the time because you know after stevie gave it to me i still shopped at dispensaries occasionally looked it up online every single which way never found it Anyway, and this has a different cross. It was uh, OG something or other by Kaya's Dream. Anyway, I'm talking out loud, but well, yeah, there could be a. There's a lot of similar names, and people I see people like kind of dis other or dis breeders who pick a name that's already been used. But mm-hmm. in my, I always like to say like what what's your name that's so unique? You know, like oh, the thing is that this is an older name too. This is not like a brand new name. I should have said. Right. I mean, it's actually a beautiful name and it's it pretty unique. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be used twice by two different people. But I know what you mean. Now there's enough cannabis strains that there cannot help but be more crosses. You know, like what Oreos now? There's going to be other people that come up with cookies and cream. They'll have a cut of cookies and cream and they'll cross it to something else and they'll call it Oreos. And they won't realize that there's already an Oreos, right? Like some breeder from South Africa, right? Because for some reason, South Africa is, you know, it's, it's I guess because they have a fucked up internet. It's super expensive to uh, uh, contact. Have you ever wondered, I guess I'm, I'm answering my own questions without saying them. Have you ever wondered why there's so few South Africans that engage with us basically, even though weed is legal in South Africa? Apparently, we've heard a couple of people have popped on. Apparently, the 
the uh, internet there is super expensive, I guess. And so it's very difficult for them to actually contact us or something. Anyway, but one of these days, so can you imagine if they're so isolated with the internet, there's going to be some South African breeders that come up with runts. They'll be like, oh, I might, I, no, I'm not doing a very good accent. Anyway, they'll be like, oh, it was the smallest plant in the group. And I just thought, oh, it was the gassiest, smallest plant. So I thought I'd call it runts. And they're going to think it's super hilarious. So <laughs> we're going to be groaning. It's funny that you say that though, because we've um ha- we have quite a following in South Africa. Do you? Yeah, and like some of these guys have been for the last decade like collecting some of the best strains in America. Like I don't know who is growing this stuff, but some and there's collective, you know, and groups of these people out there that literally have the best genetics from America and are probably like just crushing it out there like nice. um there's definitely quite quite a bit of like connoisseur grow there's connoisseur growers everywhere and it's like hard to imagine but just imagine like i can only imagine like that they're absolutely crushing it in these markets where maybe the maybe their knowledge of like you know what's going on or their accessibility to like the best genetics is is more difficult you know but um yeah, I mean, like it, I, I see in places like Thailand. I mean, there have been people that have been collecting GGG for a long time. Mm. It's like the 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 best, the best is everywhere. That's cool. Yeah. Romulan yeah. said that the same thing. He said uh, he's had customers. Maybe he said a little bit before the show, so I didn't record it. But he said he had customers for basically world, like every single country, pretty much, almost every single country. Isn't that fun? I think he said <laughs> like not North Korea, and that was about it. Yeah. It's a trip. Yeah, that's the power it's it's the power of the seed and it's um it's a beautiful thing and um yeah, I can't wait to see the world open up and a lot of these um these new new markets like embrace regenerative flower and I I mean, we're just ex- I'm excited to be a part of these different communities and just mm. explore. So, yeah, that's a good vibe. Cheers, dude. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, we've been asking you a million different questions. I don't know. Do you want to wrap up? Do you want to have uh, final thoughts? Our friend Bud Kilowatt just... Bud Kilowatt, do you have any questions for our guests? You just hopped on here? Greetings. Bud's good buddies with uh, Masonic and a few other people. He's good buddies with, what, Sun Grown Mids, real cool guy, uh, and oh, cool. Uh, Masonic. Yeah, a bunch of guys. Bud's, Bud's famous famous people down in California. Cheers, Bud. What's, good? What's the yeah. good word, my friend? I- I was only listening to bits and pieces because I was well, screaming screw you two then. Screw you two then, bud. No, but I did like that. things I, I heard in the little bits and pieces. Especially about like the positivity and like the effects and trying to channel the effects of cannabis more than the flavors and the appearance. I, I like that concept stupid thing is that a lot of the stuff comes together it's weird it's like the best tomatoes like the the best tomatoes are also the prettiest tomatoes like they're like the most flavorful tomatoes are like deep purple and whatever else you'd assume maybe that the most flavorful tomatoes would be some ugly monstrosities but no like cherokees and whatever else they're fucking they're they're, they're beautiful they're absolutely stunningly gorgeous and the black tomatoes well, but wait and stuff, a minute. They're stunningly gorgeous and the leaves but and some everything of, else 
sometimes those the best tomatoes are these heirlooms that are far from pretty but well how yeah, do i say it they are far from perfect pretty in their own but way. they're pretty in their own way yeah. exactly the colors and the flesh yeah. i guess is what i'm talking about i, I guess i prefer yeah. the the heirloom look to be perfectly honest i prefer that kind of you know craggled heirloom look so i guess i should have prefaced with that but in, as far as the colors and so on you'll never get those rich oranges or yellows or white weird white with color to it somehow like a complex white what the fuck are you talking about well grow one of those cool i can't remember the well, title right now but those white tomatoes they look fucking gorgeous not to mention all the different purple ones well a lot of those come in a lot of different shapes and sizes where like the ones that become you know in the marketplace or in the industrial marketplace or whatever commercial yeah they're all like basically the same right round and roughly the same weight you know what i'm saying <laughs> where a lot a of times when you the... look at guys at farmers market selling heirlooms well, each one is completely unique you know but in a I, weird I way the traits oh go ahead Oh, I was just going to say there's like sometimes when it's properly grown, especially organic, there's so many layers in the flavor. Like you're not just getting tomato, you're getting like essences of fruits and florals and, pop, you know, like all types of different um, effects are hitting you. The mineral density like hits you like it tingles and it just brings you life. But I also wanted to say, like, I feel like with organics, the better it looks, it tends to be like incredible in flavor and potency and effect and experience. But when it's synthetic, it can look amazing. And, and this applies to tomatoes too, but it can have no essence or flavor. And that's, I think, and but that's not always true, right? Like synthetics, I, are there are growers that can grow flavor and I'm not um, putting down all Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't call it synthetics myself because most of the stuff is just minerals and salts or whatever. A lot of times what you're describing to me when I, I see that's people that push the, the, the PPM or push those products into the plant. Like some, I grow pretty good shit using that stuff, but less is more, especially with that, those type of things. It, yeah, I get in commercial things, they like even some of the new methods, Athena, different foods, like, yeah, they're up to like over 3000 PPMs. Like that's to me, like kind of a crazy high level, you yeah. know, they get the reason they get the results. But then again, like Jungle Boy's weed that I've been ever. Yeah, that's the kind of weed that looks real good. That's the thing. That, what results? It's, has, it's, it's They've got the right. grams per watt, but I wouldn't smoke it. Yeah. <laughs> You know what that you but, just reminded me of is like people growing and put like giant pumpkins mm. like that's who's oh, eating that's that? inedible yeah it's inedible yeah. absolutely right. they'll even tell you yeah it's inedible and so you ask like oh well, what do you do with those fucking pumpkins They're like oh we just give it to some cows or whatever so hopefully yeah it's the same thing with avocados out. peaches i used to be in the fruit business oh that there's a certain size but once it gets bigger than that usually it's bland and not yep. not it not well, I mean, when you think about a gigantic zucchini, they get woody and fucked up. Can you imagine if that zucchini was a hundred times bigger? That's got to be so much better. Yeah. <laughs> but even like talking about tomatoes, you know, like, you know, I think cannabis a hundred years from now, like really what a lot of the genetics that we 
bipolar called legacies will just be called heirlooms. And there'll be like a society of people that keep those going. Well, all the, you know, you go to wherever else and they oh, just have yeah. more, more of the commercial variety, uh, uh, seeds, you know, if you buy them through Ace Hardware, Home Depot or whatever, but, oh, if you know how to, uh, source, there's heirloom societies of all, not just tomatoes of all kinds of fruits and vegetables. And a lot of those are the varieties that they've held pretty much the way that they, you know, their, their original version for hundreds of years. Oh, for sure. There's going to be the burpee of, of cannabis seeds. You know, when it's legal, you'll be able to go to the nursery downtown. You know, here we have Portland nurseries, like one of the famous ones that advertises on, you know, NPR and whatever else. Uh, they have, you know, all kinds of, you know, cool seeds and stuff. And uh, they have a whole big old section of burpee. And I don't even know, I don't remember all the different brands, but there's going to be cannabis seeds there too. I'm sure. Uh, what was the, the, what was I trying to say? Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Burpees, Johnny's, Baker Creek. Absolutely. Yeah. All those guys are going to have yeah. cannabis seeds. If they don't already have breeding programs, they might already have breeding programs, right? And they just maybe haven't yeah. released it or something. Or, 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 well, and those companies are probably, yeah, you'd be dumb to be a company that big and not be like looking into the cannabis yeah. thing as part of your portfolio in the future. Maybe so it's a little have, too yeah, well, have That's some of what federal law, but. <laughs> But even like federal laws already kind of said cannabis seeds are not illegal. Like they're just, they're just, you know, like. But they still can't I don't bank think with they, it and stuff. So those bigger companies probably won't even fuck with it because they'd have yeah, the whole, have like yeah. whole extra, like, you know, financial chains for it and stuff. Yeah. They'd have to ship their money by pigeon or some shit. I don't even know. Uh, but eventually they'll get in because there's money to be made. Yeah. I was going to say, though, that uh, this is what I've been saying all along, that a lot of these traits chase each other. So, for example, when I talk about flavor all the time, the flavor in many cases chases the high. Not in every case. I mean, there are definitely weeds that don't have a lot of high but have lots of good flavor or vice versa. Uh, but in many cases, especially with a lot of the stuff that I've run, a lot of the times the plants look good, smell good, taste good, uh, and feel good all at the same time, basically, because the, the traits seem to be interwoven together the traits that we're selecting for or i guess maybe the multiple traits that we're selecting for it's that's possible too but how do i say it like the 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 grapey berry rich dark flavors they all seem to be common to dark cannabis to purple cannabis people seem to like purple cannabis too right so that's super popular what else uh berry just in general berries they all seem to follow that kind of stuff i don't know i'm fucking high now apparently but long story short the traits seem to follow each other Well, what's good is good. I mean, that's, you can't get around that. Well, that's also true. I mean, in, in like the three decades I've been growing weed or more, what I've always noticed, what I think is, oh, what's good is good. We know that. We know this. But a lot of, at least maybe not as much now. Now everything's about flavor and, and hype, strange, cross. But so many years ago, a long time ago, most of the breeding was trying to like bring other structure or better yield into something. But like natural selections kind of like, yeah, some of the best things I've ever grown. The reason I let them go after so long is yeah, they just weren't yielders. Right. That like I couldn't justify, 
you know, and even today it's more of an issue, but even back then, the, well, the difference you could get per unit or whatever you want to say was not the, the yield discrepancy didn't you couldn't say well hey i only yield this much off of this so this is worth this much more right it, the value was well you might try to get a little bit more but not right your not consumer what, isn't going to understand yeah yeah but think about this you know too, so the, over the time a lot of those rests, strains just disappear you know like the the chicken that you buy at the store basically they have these gigantic fucking enormous you see them at costco for example if you shop at costco it's fucking gigantic it looks like dolly parton and a chicken right how the fuck would that chicken survive if it basically got released in the wild well short story they basically don't apparently occasionally they've, they've broken out there's been chicken breakouts and stuff and evidently those chickens can't really survive in the wild because they're not built for it they're just too like top heavy and whatever else and they get eaten by coyotes and stuff so how do I say it? Like, realistically, it's not surprising that a lot of the big, fat, commercial cannabis varietals don't end up surviving super well in, in uh, nature, or they end up basically selecting for things that are way less Dolly Parton-esque. Not, not that Dolly Parton is not apparently a saint, but still, I think people know what I mean. Well, yeah. I mean, if I, I think if you took 100 different varieties from right now, that would mean like a certain percentage of hype strains that are been bottlenecked or whatever we want to all the way back to some of the more hazes and original ones and just let nature because cannabis can survive in nature seed itself and keep going over a few years or a few probably a little longer you'd find that all the hype ones is nature nope they died and and the ones that survived were back to the more original form of, of like the land race because yeah, I definitely think know. that those characteristics of land race are there for a reason, right? It's like what allows it to live in that environment. So if it's a dense bus structure in a, in a hot tropical climate, it's going to air towards those looser females. Right. And I think you're a hundred percent right. Yeah, I mean, over whatever evolution of time, yeah, I think you would find that that field would narrow itself down and you'd be like, yep, look what survived and look what died or didn't make it. Some of that would maybe breed itself and nature has its own way of evolving too, so. Yeah, that was my idea of like introducing these indoor genetics outdoor throwing them into like a field, letting them reproduce naturally, just like you were saying, and let letting nature decide what traits are suitable. And after like a few seasons, you'll essentially have adapted strains and genetics to the local environment that are resilient and, and um, perfect, basically bred to be perfect for growing in that area. And I think then you can apply those to commercial crops that are that are in that region and produce you know high yielding for and resilient. well already i think you know special california there's a the northern california crowd there's a lot of outdoor breeders and they breed their whole thing is outdoor and some of those become popular strains i guess over time you can acclimate them my experience is yeah certain people no need to mention names that really are good outdoor breeders you can't always take their stuff indoors that easily you know they're just and indoor stuff doesn't always want to 
reacclimate to outdoors. Oh, I think over some seasons, oh, everything will find its acclimate. That's one of the things it seems to have the ability to do. Where I, a lot of plant uh, species, oh, once they're out of their range, that's it. They die and stop producing, right? And certain certain plants like orchids, oh, that range is really small. You know, temperature and all these factors to get it to bloom and stuff. Cannabis, you can it can almost survive anything to a degree, right? And that's probably why when we smoke it, we gain so many benefits because the most adaptive plants give us the most adaptogenic benefits, like through the herbalism concept, I guess. Yeah. And I think what you were saying about um, a lot of indoor strains, <coughs> outdoor and a lot of outdoor strains not doing well indoor, <laughs> because is we talked about that earlier. And, it's like, yeah, it's just a, it's a real thing. And I try to breed stuff for both, you know, but um, I love that everyone's just coughing at the same time. <laughs> I can't it's believe good to see, when it, I do, it, Bud Kilowatt, you're the right person to talk to about this. So before the show, I was like, oh shit, uh, you know, I'm going to be talking to Fang. I don't have time to like, you know, all my bud right now is seated. So it's just going to be too distracting to just sit here and like de-seed my bud as I'm trying to smoke it, right? So I was like, fuck, I'm just going to go to the dispensary and buy something. I'm almost done with this eighth that I bought, basically. And mind you, yeah. I also had a joint. So when Bud is talking about like we run through this, this next joint is going to be the end of it, basically. Like it's just well, it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, I got to be honest. Like I grow, so like I have no relation yeah. to like weight or anything. But I have... People gift me eights of uh, legal weed, mylars, and whatever jars. And the one thing I realized with it, right from the beginning, it, I, I, I guess I can relate it to maybe back to the Coke here. Like, you wouldn't buy a tenth of a gram. That wouldn't be enough, right? Even a quarter would be. And when weed was first, green weed first came around, it was priced at like 175 maybe 200 an ounce and there was no such thing as an eighth it was quarters right and a, qu a quarter at least you feel like you got something for a day or two an eighth you're like almost out right when you first start consuming it which is like i think part of like people that spend retail money and buy that small amount yeah that's like kind of probably a a, a common thing they get it and it's like basically gone before they can even really and it's not Enjoy even it. enough right and now that that there seems to be a change in the pricing at least at wholesale and all that value of of, of it well maybe it's time to do away with the eight keep the 50 dollar deal price or 60 and call it a quarter again right because like the one thing yeah brokering and different things i see and know about yeah like uh, the average the bud kilowatts even, weed at 4 a.m you get quarter ounces and up well like there's been a correction in the pricing it's, Right, I mean, not a at huge the dispensaries. One. This fucking even this eighth. Well, okay, this wasn't their I'm premium saying. eighth, but it was still like 
25 bucks or something there okay. i'm sure they didn't pay anything close to that for the supply but like as a person that tries to supply that premium market right these guys want to pay like way low mm. like way low but the price they're still getting if it's, it's still just high. 50 and 8 okay yeah. that's that's 6400 <clears throat> a pound right but they're like saying oh we can only pay you 1200 or or under a thousand right so, okay, if that correction's here to stay, then there has to be a correction over in the retail. Because until that happens, something's wrong with the, the whole thing. No, right? I know what the you whole, mean. It'd be like them suddenly the selling tomatoes for, for $9 right? a pound or something. Now, right? granted that there are these like $25 and there are, but like I see that too. Those are like, like you know, we're not talking about A plus day, okay, right, for that price, right? Um, so if we're talking about that, yeah, those, they're still trying to offer some ridiculously low number as the wholesale number on both sides, legal market, black market. Right. Uh, but then they still sell eights for like 50. So like something's wrong with the picture. And what it is, is there's a whole bunch of new people with slices of the pie, the lawyer sector, they get paid. The branding sector and marketing, oh, they get paid. The, the packaging and the sticker paid. Next thing you know, oh, the farmer. But it's like if you ever get around any agriculture area, and like even around me, a lot of people farm on their land. Citrus, avocados. They don't make any money, hardly any, barely any. Some years, none. It's not like they get like a lot of money for all that work. Farmers across the board don't get shit. The more we're being it, like screwed, the more like now we're, we're basically farmers, right? I mean, it's not like whether you farm this, that, or the other, it's farmers, right? Yeah, seems like the farmers are gonna get the raw end of the deal like they've always got at least in the last 50 years here a lot of that just because i supported it and went to a lot of them and followed the people that are behind it it's what farm aid and willie nelson and neil young and mellon camp and like a whole bunch of people have been saying at those events for like 35 years i think they weren't talking about cannabis growers they were talking about what was happening to farmers Except now we're just another farmer. So we like the same, like the, the conglomeration, the corporate entity, all that, that made us lose all the mom and pop farms, right? Same thing's gonna happen. Like they're just working the same, the same plan. Like they just incorporated us into that system. Right. No, it's like the same reason why when you go to the supermarket, why there's only a handful of brands for every vegetable or fruit. Like how many brands of berries do you see? There's a complete cartel monopoly lot. The government has created a lot of barriers to entry. Um, and so it becomes really hard for the small farmer to, to be able to even compete. And I think- Well, and, and even the, what saves small farmers especially if they're near a, a city that has a healthy farmers market 
that's about the only outlet you have right, right? and that's a lot of work and all that um yeah that's like the especially in my area the only people that seem to be doing well are ones that pack up on wednesdays and go to wherever and try to break even you know but yeah. as far as getting in the getting it into the food uh no that's not even possible no it, like you say it's all locked up that's why like you know as much as we can we have to support farmers markets and farm to table restaurants and she, you know chefs and and people who really care we them and give them platform because i think that that kind of education and turning people <laughs> away from the mcdonald's and the corporate you know just trash that like that that's that that's gonna be potentially a reality that we can hopefully foster for the future um and it's kind of like the only thing that we can think but hey guys i gotta take off because it is Fang, it's been I mean, a delight cheers buddy uh how can yeah, people find you, you really you. quick here likewise real quick uh, uh bud because we're getting a little bit of feedback fang uh, where can we find you Find me, um, my Instagram is uh, the Real Gauge Green Group, uh, Seed Bank International, the Organic Cup. Um, you can uh, go to Genetic Designer, which is also, also a new kind of sub label where all my new seeds are out of, geneticdesigner.io. Our whole new line called In the Beginning, it's a new series, features strains from um, the past as well as like my most recent creations um cool. we also have a discord channel where we test and r d and open source a lot of uh genetics um and it's super fun place so we'd love to have buddy here and yeah, yeah grateful to be great to have you back sometime it's been an absolute delight thank you so much yeah have a good night